So, yeah, well, how's things anyway, man? Yeah, good, man. Yourself? Uh, same, bit same. Sh- bit shit, to be honest. Yeah. Um, hang on, just let me get another Kill Kenny going. Yeah, I just got to... Claire will get me a beer, hopefully. Um, yeah, just, yep, you know, the black dog life languishing. And actually, interestingly enough, today... Um, you remember when we did the first one? Yeah. We talked about Cooper Dog. We did. Um, and it was, I can't believe the coincidence because, um, that was, I looked it up, so it was 10 months ago that we did that one. And, um, we talked obviously about, you know, you know, Cooper and, you know, he's getting old and all that. And he's been like not too bad, slowly kind of deteriorating, um, a little bit. But nothing, um, you know, just, and then like literally in the last week or so, he just seemed to go a bit downhill and then what's today, Tuesday. So I think it was Sunday was the first time that he didn't walk out there to get his food, which um, kind of had me a bit concerned. So then I brought it to him and then he did get up the next morning, but he, he was, um, like, basically, he's got arthritis. That's his main problem. The funny thing is, all the rest of him is fine. Yeah. Um, but he was really struggling to get up by his own. It took him ages, and he's getting pretty, like, sort of wonky on his feet. And it was just, you know, I never forget your words. I kind of ringing in my ears for the last 10 months. Like you said to me, like, uh, you'll just know. You'll just yeah. know the day. And I think that day was today. Okay. And um, he just... He was struggling to get up and wonky on his feet. He did end up getting up on his own and did like a couple of laps of the yard when I water. He comes out there normally and like lies down around me somewhere. Um, and But he was just, I don't know, I just had a feeling and I just kind of realised, you know. So I, was, I rang the vet um, because, interestingly enough, I found out that there's vets that will come out to your house. That's right, yeah. And do it. So I thought, I'll give that a go. Just because, oh, man, honestly, I reckon it'd be too hard for me to take him to the vet. The other thing is he's old and it's hard for him to walk. And then, you know, and then, you know, crying 50-year-old man in the reception <laughs> of the, <laughs> of the uh, you know, I, I just don't want to really kind of go through all that. So, yeah, I found a place called Pets at Peace and Dr. Anne, she's a vet and she's been really good. And I've been sort of staying in touch with her as things went and I rang her today basically and I kind of said, look, you know, I'm thinking, you know, he's getting close sort of thing and what do you think? And she agreed. She said, look, the thing with the walking thing is you definitely don't want to leave it too late. Yeah. It gets to the point where he just can't get up. Like that's it basically. Mm. It's over. And I kind of see that day getting pretty close and I think it's, you know, literally down to like weeks, not months. And then I was like, well, you know what do you do and i so I, I i just made the call basically and so she's booked in to come next monday so yeah um next monday will be cooper dog's last day which was uh-huh. a bit um yeah oh sorry oh. Um, well, that's okay man that's uh it's gotta be said yeah, yeah. so mm. but i kind of feel <clears throat> in some ways i kind of feel a sense of relief Oh, yeah. That well, decision's been made. And look, you know, as I said before, he had the best the best possible life, you know. 
yeah. could have given any dog and um he's still sort of you know he's still he's still keen but yeah he's it's I, the reason i made this decision was because like he just doesn't really kind of have much quality of life really yeah. he's getting up to eat and like does a lap of the garden and basically he's the rest of the day is just sleeping, mm. waiting for the next meal. The other thing is, as you know, it's harder for us than them. Like they don't oh, know of course anything. it is. They, they don't just... have a clue, man. Yeah, they're just going to sleep. So, so yeah, so that was a bit, um, it was, and I, was, I, I was, couldn't believe it was kind of ironic, the fact that, you know, it was like, <laughs> I'm, you know, we booked in to do this today and that kind of happened today. It was just by chance. But, um, mm. but yeah, anyway, so it was a bit... Uh, Right at the moment, but you know, yeah, you get that. That's what beer's for. <laughs> that is exactly it, man. Beers and friends. Yeah, well, it's funny because now you say that because I was feeling pretty shit and had a few other things going on, and I was like, at least I know I'm talking to Corbett today. <laughs> yeah. Like, at least I know I'm going to feel better by the end of this conversation. So, yeah, so, the yeah. big thing is that man is. Uh, we we have done this, man. We've we've done the whole. There's 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 nothing I can say that um, is going to make it any easier. Yeah. Um, but in in times like, and I can't. I don't actually believe that you should ever try and. Um, you can sympathise with someone, but you you can't try and relate. If yeah, you understand, like I like I understand. No one will know. No, there's not a person alive that will understand the relationship that you and Cooper had. Yeah. Right. Right. Now we've all got our own, but I'm not going to say to you, "Oh yeah, like when mine happened," because it's it's not the same. Yeah. Right. We all handle grief differently. We all go through things differently. Uh, we all process it differently. And your memories and mine. I mean, I can only say the usual things I say. I don't do platitudes. You know that. You know, yeah, he's going to a better place because I don't think that. It's true. Yeah. The better place is fucking here with me, you know. Um, but as I did t- say to you last time we talked, or we have talked about it, I don't know if you got that one on record, but bottom line is, man, is part of our duty of responsibility as pet owners is to make the decisions for them that they can't make for themselves. Yeah. Right. And um, as, you, as, as I've said to you before, if you've got no quality of life, as long as they're eating and pooping and, and they've got a bit of quality of life, even if it's slow then that's fine. But yeah. you're the guy that knows. Yeah. Well, I kind you know. of feel like that's sort of waning. Like, he's just, it's hard for him to even, and like, so it was like last night or the night before, he just couldn't get up and he was like actually calling out for help. And hmm. it's like a bark I'd never heard before. And it was literally yeah. just like, help, help. Yeah, like a and yelp, that, yeah. That kind of made me realise like, yeah. Oh, well. I had to question whether the, the quality's there and he's just, you know, he's tired all the time. The other thing is we've got him on the minimum, like, biscuits you can give a dog for that size and age and all that, mm-hmm. but he's still putting on weight because he's not moving around at all. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, still put on weight. Yeah. It's mainly because he just doesn't... That's move. not actually a bad thing. Yeah. His kidney function and liver and all that was last time he was at the vet was okay. It's just... It's literally just arthritis, and it's been bad in his back legs, but what's happened now is spreading to his front legs, and he was using his front legs to kind of pull himself up. But now he's kind of struggling. So anyway, so we'll start off, man. Um, oh, actually, before we start off, I want to tell you, um, so far on the 
my pod's going not too bad. Um, I would always like more followers, um, but it's actually so the Facebook page is up to like a hundred and something, which I think is not too bad considering I haven't started pushing it at all. And most of the pods are like they're in the hun- uh, hundreds, not in the thousands of downloads or anything. But interestingly enough, man, you're in the lead, man. And like, Still? you know, Starlo and Treaky, we and these dudes, man, they got big, big followings. But yeah, man, you're actually. Um, like I checked yesterday, I think you're about twenty five ahead of the next one. Oh wow! There's um, like I say, I think I think it's because you got the uh, it's the catchphrase. Yeah, I think you're selling yourself a bit short there because um, I, I I did talk I talked to a few friends and I got a few followers that messaged me and stuff and they say fuck that guy's interesting to listen to you know it's like yeah why do you think we're, I'm friends with him I was like you know and and even someone one of them even said to me um, shout out to my mate Jared. He's probably listening. He said, um, he goes, oh, I reckon that guy's got a few podcasts in him. <laughs> uh, well, it's, uh, the, the thing is, I listened to it uh, again because I couldn't remember what we talked about because we'd done it so long it was ago. A while ago. Yeah, well, 10 months, I think you said to me we'd done it. And uh, it's, uh, now, one of the things I will say, I don't know if this is, if we've actually started yet or not, or whether you're going to chop this in or out, but one of the things I have to do is, you got to remember, my opinions change. Yeah. Right, so I might say something now that contradicts something I said before. Oh, yeah. that's, right. that's all right. Um, I mean, we all do that. That's how yeah. we learn. That, and that's it. And that's the uh, that's uh, that thing we talked about before about where you're, you're drawing your information from. So things change. Not a lot, but we'll see how we go. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well we will go over a few things um, that we talked about last time, but I'll start off with um, what have you, you been watching, what have you been listening to lately? What have I been watching lately? Um, nothing. I think I told you, uh, I've actually, I've done a lot more reading now than I was a uh, thing. I, uh, I think I, I've been quoting things for years, uh, but, and I, I will go through it. Um, like I've been quoting 1984 and Fahrenheit <laughs> yeah. uh, 451 and um, and uh, Slaughterhouse Five and all of these sort of things, and it occurred to me a couple of um, conversations ago that a lot of these books I haven't read in the, the best part. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be polite to make it sound like I'm still up and knowledgeable on it. I'm gonna say in ten years, but probably some of them are closer to twenty years. Yeah, time right? goes fast. It does. Now, and my, one of my favorite uh, spiels is I read Lord of the Rings when I was about 15. Now, Lord of the Rings is an incredibly hard read for anyone that hasn't actually read it. And yeah. a lot of people will start it and, and, and never get past it. Yeah. And I, I plowed through it when I was 15 year old. Same. And, and it, was a, um, it was a hard story and I enjoyed the story. I couldn't pronounce any of the names. Um, and and some of the concepts were way above my head at that age. So I read it again when I was 25. I think it was about a decade later, and I loved it for completely different reasons. First off, I could pronounce the names, or I thought I could, until I saw the movies, and I realised I couldn't. Um, And I got a whole different aspect out of it. The first time I read it, I was reading a storybook. The second time I read it, I realized that the author probably has post-traumatic stress disorder because I understood things like that then. Now, he claims that he doesn't have, didn't have when he wrote it, but it was to me, it was so allegorical of um, uh, world wars. Yeah. Right now, I don't know if that's right or wrong. So I had this epiphany a few months ago that 
I quote 1984. I quote all of these classics. But I haven't read them in so long. I was wondering if I was misquoting. Yep. Right? Um, because people always go on about things. They always say, you know, oh, this is 1984 over again. I'm there as well, you know, waving my banner. <laughs> and I think, but fucking is it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, and now you've seen that on my Facebook page every now and then I'll put that that meme, the one that, um, you know, 1984 is a cautionary tale, not an instruction manual. Yeah. Um, I reread it. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the governments of the world are actually using it as an instruction manual because it's more pertinent today than at any other time that I've read it. I'm not saying any other time in history, but at any other time I've read it, it is yeah. more relevant today than it has ever have, has been. Um, so that that's what I've been doing, man. I've been going and over did you, the old time. Did you going find forward. by going back over them, was there stuff that you kind of forgot was there? Oh, God, yeah. There's um, uh, Slaughterhouse-Five is technically a, um, a, a science fiction uh, book. It's about a guy who thinks he times travels. Again, he's not. He's He was, in the, he was at the uh, uh, firebombing of Dresden in, in World War II. And for people, if, uh, what people don't know is that uh, about 135,000 people died in Dresden, which is less than actually died at the uh, Hiroshima bomb. So it was a... Uh, you know, it was quite. Um, they reckon everything above ground level um, was completely destroyed. Now um, it was horrendous, and but they don't talk about it. Uh, so reading that, I forgot it was supposed to be a science fiction uh, book. Uh, you can tell from that that the guy that was in it, the guy that wrote it, uh, he was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder as well. In fact, he was a complete lunatic. Everything he tried to, he tried to, uh, my interpretation of the book is he tried to, um, in his mind, he time travels and he does all of these other things to try and, and, uh, uh, forget the fact that it was a horrendous, you know, event in his life, you know? Anyway, I don't know if you've ever read it, man. It's pretty full on. No, not that Uh, one. I've read the other ones, 84 and, Lord of the Rings and that. Yeah. So the the ones I the the ones I've read recently, Fahrenheit four five one, which is about the guys that burn books. Um, I'll, I'll just cut to the chase, Ira. Every time every, I read nineteen eighty four, and I read Fahrenheit, and I read uh, Slaughterhouse, which is out of the thing, and these other ones, Catch twenty two. Uh again, I'm going to go back to a meme. <laughs> Mem. There's um, that you know, if you want to know what. Um, 1933 Germany was like it's like Florida without you know Disneyland because <laughs> um, yep. at the moment over in the US they're, they're, they're so into their book burning and banning and, and you know get rid of all the classics uh, which by the way out of control man it is and it's not a, it's revisionist censorship as well now I'm going to go into uh, I really don't want to talk about the word woke because that just gets me off on another tangent and it's not the same tangent it gets everyone else off on but in when they're, they're saying that they're taking authors and they're rewriting their books um, to take out the offensive stuff right that literally is out of 1984. Yeah. In 1984, the guys, the main guy in the story, his thing was to go back and if the you know the the head dude gives a, a speech and he says next year we're going to have you know a 200 increase in 
in productivity, his job, if they only have 150% increase, his job is then to go back and rewrite all the documents that said 200% and make them 150 Right, change all the media clips. So they rewrite history from, you know, they backdate it to make things so that the the, the head guy is never wrong. Yeah. Right. And that, that's what that's what I'm getting at the moment. They're, they're, we know that Americans had slavery. Right. There's no point trying to write it out of it. There's yeah. no trying trying to make it less offensive. You've had slaves. Right. And there's a lot of things that happened in everyone's history that that's happened. You can't rewrite it. Don't be offended, but you know, the, the whole people they say, "Oh, you know, slavery was offensive." Yes, we did get rid of it, right? You know, apartheid was horrible. It doesn't exist anymore. Well, you know, in theory, it doesn't. So, so trying to rewrite history and trying to rewrite books and not teach history um, is so Orwellian. It's just unbelievable. It it kind of yeah, it spins me out. Like, how does this happen? <laughs> uh, my personal belief is yeah. it's uh, apathy. Right. And, and Interesting. But it is. It, people just don't... When was the last time I or that you ever heard of people yeah. mass protesting in Australia? Yeah, I know right. what you're going to say. And we, I think they it's don't. going on. No, yeah, they we... don't. Well, look, there was a little bit with the pandemic, but yeah, because look, part of the, you know, look, and we, we, uh, the other thing is, so as you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And one of the things that frustrates me about them is that, you know, like Rogan, for example, like they'll talk ad nauseum about all the shit that's wrong with the world, right? And it's like, well, we kind of know that, right? I'm more interested in talking about like, how do we fix it? And then a lot of people, you know, will say to, you know, a lot of people do ask me, like, oh, why do you think things are like this? And I say exactly what you say. I say apathy. The mm. problem is, right, life's too good in Australia, particularly. Let's talk about where we are. You know, it's too good for people to, you know, to care enough to want to do something about it. I'll give you an example. So my son, Kai, you know, as you know, he's quite politically minded. Um, he got voted in his year 10 class, most likely to become a politician. I'm not sure if I should be happy yeah. about that or be worried about that. But he, he takes an interest in those kinds of things. And he's like, Dad, you know, basically, like, he's realised the system's, like, broken. Like, what do we do, you know? So he's like, Dad, we need a revolution. I'm like, sure, son, we need a revolution. You, you go first and through the door and I'll be right behind you. And then he kind of realises, oh, yeah, nobody wants to be first through the door. Why is that? I think it's mm. exactly what you said. It's, it's because life's actually too good and apathy. People just don't care enough. You know, for the majority of people, there's a few people who will care for sure, but most people just don't care enough about it. And I think, you know, it's that old thing, uh, I can't remember who said it, but, um, you know, hard times create good men. Good mm. men create good times. Good times create soft men. Soft yeah. men create hard times creates good men uh, hard men you know so it's just yeah. like a constant circle and it's almost like um it's almost like you know um doing things hard or hardship for a while is actually what drives us humans to you know want to be better and to and it's almost like it's kind of a default like without it it's almost like we don't operate properly what do you think of that well 
there's um it's an interesting thing i think the uh, that the hardship thing i think does create compassionate people right my mum used to always say to me like because we, we you know we come from scotland we come from a poor background yeah. if there was five people in the room and we had one sausage you got a fifth of a sausage right yeah. and if you brought two of your friends over that night you got a seventh of a sausage right yeah. uh, because we were poor it wasn't a case of like go home you can't eat here everyone ate we divvied up what we had because adversity i think does bring out the best in people yeah i really do right yeah. but it's um it's a weird thing but i i have a uh, my mine's is a bit more skeptical unfortunately i think the people who have the least help the most and the people who have the most help the least oh that's a great line all right so where the world is at the moment we probably have more wealth in the planet now than at any other time they always say that the last 10 years is you know more wealth was created in yes. than the previous 10 and before that which by the way children shows you how the fucking trickle down effect doesn't actually work because yeah. if we've got more money now we have four corporations in the world are worth a trillion dollars uh, i think it's google apple uh oh, you know who they are i, I forgot uh, yeah, amazon yeah. um I don't even know who the fourth is, but I know the first, those those ones. So you've got these trillion-dollar companies. So if the trickle-down effect really did work, then we'd all be sitting fucking pretty now. But again, the, the, the disparity between rich and poor gets greater every yeah. year. So how can the, the trickle-down effect work? So what you basically have is you have all these guys. Now, in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, if you were you know, Rockefeller or all these rich guys, you built hospital wings, you built museums, you built schools, you made, you know, your, your philanthropy was towards mankind. Yeah. The current billionaires want to go to fucking space. <laughs> you know, Amazon yeah. uh, wants to get, Benzos, Benzo wants to go to space. Musk wants to go to space. They're racing each other in space. Billions of dollars. It could be better spent on humanitarian aid. So all of these guys that were at the top end, um, they don't spend the money, right? So I, I so that one of the biggest problems at the moment is, in my 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 belief is, they don't want to fix things because why should they? People at the bottom, we help each other. I think we do still, yeah. but people at the top, they just want to amass wealth. Yeah, no, yeah, good points. And when you say, well, here's the funny thing about that, I'll push back a little bit on that. Yeah. When you say the people at the bottom, us, I I had to look this up because I didn't believe it. If you earn minimum wage in Australia, right, so if you're packing shells at Coles or you work at Bunnings or whatever and you're just on minimum wage, you're in the top 1%. We are, we are in the 1%. That's I thought right. it was like 2 or 3 or 5 and I had no. to look at No, it's fucking 1%, man. Yeah. So it's that's when we, crazy. when you say the oh, the top one percent, we are the one percent. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And the right. gap but the but the gap and the distance, obviously, even between how we view ourselves, and that's why I'm saying I'm pushing back because I'm not really, but the how we view ourselves and then, you know, the masks and the you know, those people up above us, and then you got the you know, people in Thailand who are just punching out a feed every day, you know, there's a there's a massive and I know they say it's getting better, but no, it's not. Yeah. No, I, I tend to agree. I think the gap's getting wider. And, man, it's harder. Like, even in this country, right, if you've got two people on a full-time uh, wage, you can't afford to live in most 
cities like Sydney's average now is like over a million bucks a house. Oh yeah, yeah, that's fucking crazy. And of course they'll they'll, they'll convince you um, that that uh, the the average they they've just put the bank rates up, uh, the interest rates up ten percent, uh, ten ten times in a row. Yeah, yeah. And they're saying the average rent has increased fifteen hundred dollars. Right, but again, this is where it's government double speak. Now, my mortgage has gone up. I went. I only owe a few hundred thousand on mine, so uh, uh, so my mortgage hasn't gone up anywhere near fifteen hundred since it started. But guys, in I know I've got friends in Melbourne who have like places they paid one 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 and one two. Theirs have theirs has gone up close to two thousand dollars. Yeah. Right, so they're saying, oh, the average is gone. So they're taking all the people like in West Australia, Adelaide, Queensland, who have fairly uh, modest mortgages compared to uh, Sydney and Victoria, uh, Sydney and Melbourne, and saying the average is 1,500. But if you come out to the, we'll call it the non-states, ours has gone up five or 600, 700. Theirs have gone up 2,000, 3,000. Right yeah. now, their wages haven't gone up. That your your mortgage goes up three thousand dollars a month, and that's thirty six thousand dollars a year. Yeah, even if you're on a even if you're on a hundred and thirty hundred forty thousand dollar a year job before tax, so you get maybe bringing home a hundred grand. Thirty forty percent of all your money is going on your mortgage extra. Um, one thing I did want to hit you up about, which I found interesting, and we didn't get a chance to have a phone conversation about this but i know you've probably been across it so the uh the four day working week study which has just come All out over and, it, yep. and basically and yeah i mean i thought of you straight away and so what i'll do is explain to the listeners real quickly and then okay. i'll get your thoughts so basically we figured this out fucking years ago and like i'm actually gonna get you to say when because i'm thinking roughly around 2010 to explain to people so corbett and i tradesmen by um, default and basically you know most guys work on an hourly rate and we figured out like years ago that because if you if you've got guys working for you basically how it works i'll just make up numbers but you know if you're paying guys like 300 dollars a day you know how many door frames they painted and you know how much you charge for a door frame right now a lot of guys just work on the you know the old like eight hours five days a week and we 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 figured out a long time ago that's just not how to motivate people. So we came up with a kind of style of working, I guess you would call it, where, you know, we, we based it on productivity. So, Certainly. you know, okay, when you come in, we got X amount to do today. And if we get that done, then we can fuck off early. And look, sometimes it takes you longer than, you know, uh, what you think. But I would kind of say, you know, eight times out of ten. And the other thing is we found was once you say that to somebody, like watch them go. Like the motivation factors there, and now this study has come out. Man, we were way ahead of our time because now this study's come out, and I know, like you, because I'm sole trader, obviously, so these days by myself. But you know, um, Colsey even sort of kind of did operate under that sort of like a not hundred percent like that, but under that kind of a philosophy. And now, like you with Jamie, you guys have basically come up with you know that same kind of thing, and now this study has come out and backed it up. Mm. Yeah. Look, we we came up with the the way we say it is we're productivity based, not hourly based. Right, exactly what you may say, um, and it it does work. Now, people, the first thing that people will say is, "Oh yeah, but you're going to get guys that will just sling the lead." Well, quite honestly, you sack them. 
right? You just get rid of them. They don't last. It's, it's like, it, it, it's, um, so, and it's the yeah. guys that are on the team that are going to want rid of them. Right. So you, you get five guys on a team and you say to them, right, this is the target for the day. Now, don't be a dick and pick a target that's way outside yeah, of the say, possibilities because they'll catch on to that yeah. straight away. Well, we can't do that. Now, now I have done this in real life circumstances. How, when I was a supervisor for my current company, I'm not going to name names, but when the current company, when we had about eight or 10 guys, I used to tell them, I said, right, we'll be in the pub by two o'clock if we get all of this done. Now, you give guys a bit of leeway, the guys that don't understand how you work, uh, because they're, oh, yeah, I've heard all that before. But pretty much when we were packing up at quarter to two, half past one, say, right, that's us for the day, guys. You get the other guys, oh, well, when do we get paid to? And, oh, you get paid till 3.30. But once it's done, it's done. Right now, we started finding that guys would say to us, if we can get it done by 12, do we still get to get paid for the day? Well, yes. We'll tell you what the targets are. Once we hit that... Um, we're gone. Now, what you do there, where, where that advantage is the employer or the people running the job is once you realise what guys can't do, now I'm not talking about you, you try to exploit it, but you can actually put that little bit extra on. If you know the average guy does 15 units of something in a day, do you count on 17? Two more whatevers, two square meters, two doors, two whatevers, and say, right, guys, if we can get this, this, and this done, we're in the pub by two. Now, we found that we would start getting, they would realize that, oh, hang on, I've got to move. It wouldn't be a case of, oh, well, I'm not doing it because that's a stupid target. Guys would come up to the mark. Now, the guys that didn't, that realise that oh, it doesn't matter what I do in the day, I'm still getting to go home at two. The rest of the crew would say, hey, look, you know, I'll use you, Ira, but not necessarily. Ira's not pulling his weight. We don't want to work with him anymore, right? Because he gets counted as a full man day. He's doing a half man day. That gets loaded onto the other workers. So, yeah, it always works. Where it goes astray, of course, is if bosses say to you, like, let's get it done once we get this done, we're going, and then they come in at like you know they think two o'clock we'll have this knocked over, and they come in at eleven thirty, and you are almost done. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, and we have had this happen to me and you. Colsey done it to yeah. us once. He came in when we we're doing that house down in uh in East uh, North Fremantle or South Fremantle, sorry. Uh, so oh, yeah, now it's a bit early, guys. Let's just get another coat on the walls. Well, that took me weeks after that to get the guys back on board. Yeah. You know, so, so that was because he was coming from old school too, I think. So yeah, it's hard to break through. But how how long do you reckon before this kind of filters down to the mainstream? I actually don't think it will. Look, I'm all for it. I reckon it's great. Uh, I actually have uh, mine is a bit more radical than theirs. I think that uh, it should be four day weeks only, but not three days off. I think it should be four on and four off. Right, okay. but you, but you'd have to get rid of weekends. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Right, 
and that's the problem because you know all sports is on the Sunday mm. or Saturday and stuff like that. And I think an hours and hours and hour as well. They should start having for for uh, if you want productivity to lift in, in industry and stuff like that, then your 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 eight hour day could be from four o'clock in the afternoon to twelve o'clock at night. I think that's that's yeah. that's the uh, that's the new. Um, well, you know, a lot of the big companies in America say, so, you know, like the Googles and. All these like fucking what do you call them? Like you know, new wave. I won't won't say woke. Multi, but, you know, um, multinationals. Yeah, all Facebook like. and all these. So I heard a pod a while ago. There was a guy can't remember the company. He was be CEO of a big um, like uh, computer tech company in America, and he basically said like the same thing. They'd been doing that for years, you know. And he just kind of laughed when when he, someone suggested doing like forty hour weeks, and he basically said. Exactly what you said. Like, if you got if the people aren't doing it, you got the wrong people. So get That's get the right people who can do it. But yeah, I just found it so interesting that you know, we'd kind of been doing that for a long time, and the rest of the planet just, just, just figuring quickly, it out. Yeah, go the, on one of the. Well, I was working for a company called EdGPC decades ago, and. Uh, that's when it was me and my brother was there, Dave Burke, a couple of guys that you know, and uh, and Richard Gibson, who's probably the best boss I've ever genuinely actually had. Uh, we were talking to him about long weekends and having things, and he said to me one of the days, we weren't at Curtin University, we had a lot of uh, contracts out there, and we are talking about 10-hour days. So I worked for 10 hours, not the eight hours they're coming up with now and getting the same money for your, your basically 32 hours. But we said to him, oh, you know, I'd rather work a 10-hour day. Now, my logic was that, first off, we were starting at 6 o'clock in the morning anyway because it was summer. So you'd work till uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, um, Monday, Friday, uh, Thursday, and then you'd have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. And he actually said to us, he goes, if you guys want to do that, that's fine. He says, as long as you work your 10 hours and you don't rip me off. Now, what we actually found is we've done it for a couple of weeks. And what we actually found is when we work Monday, Friday from 7 to 3.30, we're pissing off from side at 2, 2.30, right? Yeah. So we're going home early. We'd get there. We weren't checked. We weren't um, scored. We we still applied that thing. Well, We'll get the, the numbers, you know, get the runs on the board. Um, we don't have to be here for eight hours to get eight hours work done. And anyone that works in a, a construction industry will understand that. So we can get more done in seven hours and some guys can get done in eight, ten, and eleven. So we'd get it done and we'd go home two, two thirty, we'd go off and have a couple of beers. But when we started working the ten hour days, we worked the whole ten hours. Right, yeah. because the deal was, look, I'll let you work the extra couple of hours a day, but I don't want to get ripped off. Yeah, so you've got to stay. So just as a, as an ethics thing, and we're going, you know, we used to knock off, regular knock-off time was supposed to be three. So we're starting an hour early, staying an hour back, and we got the Friday off. Right now, the old timers on the job, they didn't want to do that. So there's only about four or five of us was doing it. And we're really good at it. We did stay back at night time and, and stuff like that, and and done it. It wasn't much more laborious. But it was actually the bosses and the managers of the companies that actually didn't want it in the end. Yeah, they just don't like right. the idea of it. No, it was too alien for oh, them. And yeah. their argument was, and this is why I don't think big companies like Amazon and all them would adopt this sort of stuff, is, well, if you work 10 hours a day, Monday to Thursday, why don't you come in on Friday? You get the jobs done quicker. 
now. You know what the industry's like at the moment, yeah. Ira. It's, it's mental. So that's what we got. Well, the, the builder, a guy called Sam Thompson, it was for a company called Kilcullen and Clark. It was, oh, well, you know, half your guys don't show up on a Friday. Right? Yeah, so the, it became a – they just saw, like, Monday, Thursday, there was uh, 12 guys on the job. On Friday, there was six. Yeah. Right. It's and a foreign it like... concept. And look, the same, it's the old, like, price work uh, hourly rate argument. And, you know, I remember it happened with, uh, when I was working with Gentry, so he had, like, all these transportable homes, right? And it was, like, he was paying us hourly rate. And, like, I can't remember exactly, but I'll, I'll make stuff up. But it was roughly like this. It was taking us five days to do, like, one by yourself, completely inside, um, like these transportable homes, so five days by yourself on an hourly rate, right? And then he was like, I oh, will try them on price rate, you know, a price. So in other words, you just get a set price per unit. So we agreed on the price. And we're pumping them out in three days. And then he ba- he just couldn't, he was just so old school, he just couldn't get his head around the fact that like, because he basically come back to us and he's like, oh, you're ripping me off. And I'm like, what do you mean, dude? Like, now you're getting two done in six days instead of getting one in five days, and you're only paying us like, can't remember exactly what we're on then, but it was I'll, I'll just make up say roughly say a grand. So you're paying us a grand for five days, right? Or we're doing like two, you know, and he was maybe giving us like seven hundred per one, but on a price rate. So the faster you go, the faster you get them done. He just couldn't get it, and I'm like, dude, you're making more money in six days than you are in five, but he just no, he just couldn't understand the concept and it just went against his whole and like you said it was like oh you know there's two days where there's like no one there and he's like oh you're ripping me off and i was like i, I showed him like no you're actually making more money by doing it this way because we're getting them done faster but he just he couldn't yeah he couldn't get his head around it and i guess that's that's going to be the problem going forward I think, yeah, I think the way going forward is companies are going to think that they're not going to look at productivity if they're getting the same stuff. It's It will go back to the, um, what I think is wrong with the world are at the moment is greed, right? That's my, oh, if yeah, we talked sure. about what do I think is wrong with the world and I said, you know, rich people want to be rich and all that. I think the whole thing that's wrong with the world is greed. Everything that you do is worth top dollar. Everything else that everyone else does should be bottom dollar. And yeah. you can't see that... Um, that there's that disparity and i think as long as uh, companies will and i have had it from a guy where exactly what you said we were doing when he put us on price we we're doing it and i used to always tell people i'm never going to work as fast for you exactly as i am for it's me just human nature right right well i can do what i do in a day and you've seen me at my best and you've seen me at my worst <laughs> um on my best day well, not now because we're all men, man. But on my best day, you got to admit, I was twice as fast as half the guys that we've ever worked with. Oh, for sure. Especially doing, doing doors, frames, stuff like that because I'm a painter by trade. I was I was twice as fast as everyone else, right? Um, but I didn't give a shit that I was doing more work than everyone when I was on a prop. But when I was working with a crew, I would still be faster than the other people, but I wouldn't do significantly more. If again, we'll use units. If people are doing twelve units in a day, I would do fourteen. Yeah. Right. Right. But if I was on a price, and when I was done, I was done, and I was getting the same money, I'd do twenty-eight. Yeah. Right. Then what I found then is the bosses would come back to me, and it would be the whole well, you know, when you're working with these guys, you're you're only doing this many, and when I give you extra money, you're yeah. doing this many. They don't. Yes, get it. I think. Yeah, what it comes a fair to. day's work for a fair day's pay. 
if you can do twice as much as you do, that's all well and good. But if you're only getting paid to deliver X, even if you can do Y, you only do X because that's what you've been paid for. Yeah, I think right? that's part it's of not... the problem, man, with people like you and me and like Pat as well, is that we, we kind of operate on motivation. Sure. Not necessarily money. Well, guys on Wall Street that get big bonuses tend to take more risks, right? So that's they don't do it the same as us. But bottom line is, me and you don't go to work because we like it. I mean, I'm sure there's a job out there that we'd love to do. If we had it, we'd go and we wouldn't care that we weren't getting paid. Yeah. Right? But we go to work for money. Yeah. Right? And I'm not saying I'm going to be greedy. I want to rip anyone off. But if I didn't have, if I didn't need money, I wouldn't go and do work. Yeah. Right, and that's the, the it, it, it. It all filters down. Everyone's only after cash, right now. Yeah. Again, greed, I think, has overtaken the world. Yeah. Jeff Benzo wants to build rocket ships, but won't pay his employees a living wage. Yeah, good point. Right, you know, this is this is the problem in the world. Everyone thinks that they should, they deserve it. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me started on those guys. Self-made <laughs> men, my fucking ass. Oh yeah, I know uh, you're not you a know. big fan of Elon. And look, it's man, it's all it's all very good um, points. So you you know, no one really can argue too much against it. I just I thought it was interesting with that with that four day study, and I thought, well, this is the start. And I'm like, maybe it might take ten years, but look how much the world's changed, man. Even in the last twenty, you know, it's like I was wondering what your thoughts were on how much would filter down, you know? None of it. Yeah. I think the only way the trickle down effect works is if you fucking drink a millionaire's piss and get his champagne. <laughs> uh, well, I guarantee you, man, the mining companies won't be doing it. Oh, look, there's no uh, fucking way. Nah, the, the mining companies won't do it. I mean, if um, I, I remember, well, I'm I'm an old man, so I remember when they I shared don't. It wasn't really in my era, but I was there when it happened. When we first got to Australia, and I was pretty young, they just moved to the. Um, 40 hour week because yeah. they used to work half a weekend so I remember my dad and my uncles talking about that but I remember when we went from a 40 hour week to a 30 hour week because a lot of people don't realise that uh, in construction we only work a 30 hour week Yeah, right and the bosses went off their heads you know everyone's leaving site at 1 o'clock so then they came up with uh, well we'll have a rostered day off a month Look, work two hours on the yeah. first these days and then that'll give you one day a month free you know so you can have an extra long weekend it took bosses I mean still half of them don't like I don't even know if they still do it by the way yeah do I wondered they? about that because that was basically that come in so about when I was an apprentice yeah the RDO came in Early yeah morning. and that yeah, and that's all we heard for years is, oh, yeah, we have to pay you for our effing day. You don't effing work. No. But no, we've actually gave up all our Friday yeah. afternoon. That's what Steve, so that we could... Steve Cochran used to say. He, he was a dickhead, but that's another story. Uh, hey, you shouldn't have said that, man. You you want to cut that one out. In your opinion, he's a dickhead. Not <laughs> he is. Oh, I could tell you some stories. No, no, no. But here's the th- let's go for the legal things. If you say it's my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can't get done. No, well, actually, is... no, you're right. You, it's a good point. But that's one good thing about being on Spotify, man. Um, no real censorship. You can pretty much say what you want. Not like the YouTube and a few of the other platforms. Oh, yeah. Don't even start. Hey, moving on. Anyway, let's move on. This then is you, actually that yeah, we'll fairly keep, boring we'll stuff. We'll keep going quick. No, that was good. Um, new gun laws. Okay. 
the the latest ones. Okay, for those WA for people that are at least for people that understand. We actually we should explain. So because people are listening from all around the world, (laughs) I can't believe it. I showed you that map, but yeah, it's pretty splendid fun out. So we've got some new gun laws. So our police minister, Papalia, he's a fucking piece of work, that clown. Um, But we won't get into that. But he's come up with like a whole bunch of high calibers and stuff that he's going to ban for registered owners. And, um, yeah, I just sort of wondered uh, what your thoughts were about all of that. Being a, we should say as well, you're a registered gun owner as well, so uh, a yeah. sporting shooter. So, um, yeah. yeah, what are your thoughts on all that? Well, the the, <laughs> the easiest one is it's all shit. Right. And the reason I'm saying this is because the, uh, the band, the actual band they've brought into place at the moment only affects 248 individual weapons. Yeah. Right. Now, there's a list of about 50 weapons that are illegal. And by the way, half the things that are on that list were illegal anyway, like armor-piercing bullets. They've always been illegal. Yeah. yeah. You can't just go down and say, yeah, give me some of them. But what they've banned is uh, it's the 338 loop. Pay, I think it's one of the rifles, and of course, fifty cal. Pretty much uh, most stuff over three oh eight, I think. Oh no, no, there's still a lot of stuff over three oh eight available. What they call them is uh, VPLs, very powerful VPRs, very powerful rifles. Now, the the fifty cal, there's actually only thirteen people that have licenses for them. They shoot up in the oh, right up in the top end of West Australia. They're, apparently, their yeah. range. Miles long, like literally miles and miles. Yeah, they and have like it, one shoot a year. Yeah, one shoot a year at $13 a round, I'm not surprised. Yeah, 40-round right, shoot. Yeah, so that that's what they do once a year. Now, the other ones are 338s. Now, there's 248 weapons are actually affected. 70 of them, I know for a fact, are owned by gun dealers, and a lot of the other ones are actually held by the same person. So it's probably going to affect less than a hundred people, yeah. Right, um, but the the reason that they're getting rid of them is they don't believe that civilians should have them because they don't want law enforcement agents ever to have to face those weapons in the field. Right. Now, for for people who don't know, West Australia has very very little in the way of weapons crimes. This is what I don't. We don't Got we don't no, have. Sorry, they've got, got no data to really like back this up. That to say that these people are, you know, posing a threat. There's no like. I just don't get where they're coming from. It, it and and their rules are arbitrary, right? We don't want people to have this weapon. We don't want them to have that. Now, when it, uh, the police commissioner was actually asked, and McGowan was there, they said, "Have um, have has anyone ever used these weapons in a crime?" <laughs> Or if police have ever had exactly. to face them. And they said no. So then why? Right. But they don't, because they don't want a policeman to have to drive around with AR 15s and armored personnel carriers mm. uh, because people have guns. But how law enforcement officers are kitted out has absolutely nothing to do with what the guns are in the community. Now, you would think that that would be true. Like in the US, you see them. They don't yeah. drive around in armor personnel carriers. They don't drive around with AR-15s. That's what special forces are for. Yep, tech groups have that. So they're saying that if they have these guns in the community, this is how we have to act. Now, let's go to Indonesia, where civilian gun ownership is zero, right? They don't own guns in Indonesia. You're not allowed to. Yeah. Um, 
but their police officers drive around in armoured personnel carriers with AR-15s. And why is that? Right. Because of the illegal guns. Well, no, because of the government. It's there are there's very few illegal guns in Indonesia. There's very few gun there's very few gun deaths in Indonesia, and civilians don't own them. Okay. So to to say that gun ownership, uh, so police uh, attire, police vehicles, and all that is based on what's in the civilian community is completely wrong. The Americans don't do it. They don't do it in Britain. They don't do it in Europe. In countries that have no guns, they do do it. Yeah, well, this so, is what I don't understand about it, man. I just don't understand. And look, I try and play devil's advocate. You and I do this all the time when we talk on the phone, right? And we said, you know, when we talked about this, so, okay, if it's only like a few guns, right, they'll say, well, it's only affecting a few people. So they're not there. Yeah. And then I'll say, well, then if, if it's only a few, like, why why bother? Now, the other thing which they're not talking about, right, and I looked this up, fuck, I've forgotten the number. I can't remember if it's 28,000 or 48,000, but I've got a good source to say, let's say it's roughly twenty to 30,000 illegal weapons in circulation in Western Australia. That's unregistered weapons, right? 28,000. 28,000. What the fuck are they yeah. doing about that? Okay, well, that, that's it, man. That, that, that goes back to the root question. Why none of the gun laws they're bringing in at the moment um, speak to getting illegal guns off of the streets? What do you, is, is why that's... do you think they're doing it, Buck? Because let, let's go like conspiracy theory from their side do you think it's about just removing guns and this is the start and they want to get them all or what do you think i'm pretty sure that's exactly what mcgowan and his crew want yeah i'm pretty sure they want all of them i think if they could just blanket do it they would yeah um how does this this happen but our system's working well the problem with democracy is people don't understand how it genuinely works we don't vote for people who are going to act laws that we like, right? We vote for people who we think are going to do the right thing. Democracy isn't that yeah. um, the majority rule, the majority opinion is what becomes law. Example: um, apparently, in this state, eighty percent of the people support the death penalty, but they're never going to bring it in. Yeah, right? eighty point. Ask anybody in the street, do we think we should abolish all taxis? 100% of people will say yes, but the government's not going to do it. Now, every person wants it, the government's still not going to do it. When you have people, the majority, what that is is actually mob rule. That's not democracy. We'll give the mobs whatever they want. Right, so you're going to get that. So, so democracy basically is that we 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 pick our our leaders based on how we think they're going to perform and how they're going to make your life better. Because the issue we've right got now. at the moment to explain to people, so the government that's in power here in our state at the moment, they won basically everything except for a couple of seats. So yep. they are in complete. There's no opposition. There's no opposition. Right, so they basically they control the uppers and the lower houses. In the lower house, what constituted a opposition party only got six seats, and that was actually two political parties that work in as a, a coalition. Yeah. So they have no power. When it gets to the upper house, they have no power. Here's a question for but, you: Do you think? Go on. Do you think that will change at the next election? I think he's okay. Let's go into that one. Let's talk about election predictions. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is Messiah Complex is still working well for him? 
Um, he, he got a lot out of the pandemic. By the way, I think he, that's why he's going after the guns. He lost a lot th- out of the pandemic too, but I think. Oh, I don't think. I don't know if anything. it's enough to turf him out, but I think a lot of Not people. Not even close. Are, you don't reckon? Nah, because even before the last election, the one that he landslide, all the people who were against like locking up and all of this, and it's what cost the opposition all of their things. They were on the the let's keep the borders open, let's do this, let's do that. And yeah. by the way, I don't know who was right. It, in in hindsight, it's going to be 20 years down the line whether we people work out that closing borders, opening borders, doing this, that or the other was the best thing to do. Now, I'm not going to say that the uh, human life uh, loss would have been better or worse. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the social impact of what they've done to people. Yeah, there has actually right. been a study already. Which we won't get yeah, into, but um, I've read a couple of them, and the actual human face of it, like people who couldn't be there with uh, with their loved ones when they're passing away. I know there's one case here in West Australia where the person wanted to come home, and McGowan and his, his cronies knocked him back, yeah, her back, sorry, about half a dozen times. She ended up committing suicide. Um, so they they really want to start looking into that. But then you get guys like Kerry Stokes who would came and went as he saw fit. Yeah, one rule for some. Uh, yeah, and that's it. And every time he came home, rather than going into quarantine, he's too sick to go in quarantine, so he's going to his home, so, which he'd done. I think he'd done that at least three or four times. One of the times he came from Aspen, right in the middle of a major breakout. Yeah. You know, so there's one rule for it. The problem, know, the problem is too, going. right, the opposition's a rabble. Like they just, well, yeah. They just got Who's nobody. Okay, here's a here's a question for you, Ara. Who's the leader of the opposition? <laughs> I know it's crazy, man, and that's what that's part of the problem. Like, I think he's ask he's, me the question: Who's the leader? He's going to get in basically because, oh man, yeah, the Liberal Party's got some fucking serious work to do, and the problem is, it's not just overnight stuff, man. It's like a fucking ten year project. Yeah, ask me who the leader of the opposition is. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, who is it? I don't even know. That's shocking. Do you know what, Ara? Do you know what, Ara? You, you would know. Neither sure. do I. Do really? I don't fucking know. No. I don't know. It's fucking crazy, that, man. That's how little they're, they're so... I pay attention to them. Well, and look, I don't even know who it is. The writing was on the wall, and like, you know, not that they listen to us, right? But we kind of trying to warn them, like Lisa Lisa at the last election, that they were just so far out of touch. And that's how he was able to get a landslide. And look, these things do swing and swinging roundabouts but yeah it's it's can we go back to the gun thing is that yeah go i I think the when when we because we have no opposition right now there are eighty nine thousand registered gun owners in west australia right and the dispersion of that is in every suburb according to their no but we gave up our guns man yeah, we did. There's more guns in australia now than when we got rid of them last time people forget was that people don't realize yeah, the other thing is people don't realise is that it was a um, conservative government that got through them last time. We now have a, 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 a left-wing government that wants to take them off us as well. But it's only West Australia. It's not everywhere else in Australia. But here's the thing. You, 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 you spread elections can be won on swings of like five, six, seven hundred voters in most of our electorates in West Australia. Yeah, good point. Right. And now this is where I think it's going to be. But now... the Taking the guns off of them, I'll play devil's advocate for my own sport. I don't see a need to have a fifty caliber um, rifle. That's I really don't. Look, you and I agree on that, you know. Right. I don't see the reason. 
but, but my argument in defense of them is if I was a race car driver, I'd want to race Formula One. Yeah. You know, why shouldn't so you be allowed to? Whatever the best is or whatever the highest thing is in, in your chosen sport, provided it's a sport, um, you should have access to. Yeah. You know, um, so if I, that was me, that's what I would want. If I was racing motorcycles, I'd want something that has an engine the size of a fucking, you know. So these guys want to do it. There's only 13 of them. If someone gets shot with a 50 caliber sniper rifle, and our police resources can't track down where these 13 guys <laughs> exactly. are, where their rifles are, and, and, and ballistically test them, then our police force needs more finance. It doesn't need more legislation, yeah. right? That the other stuff, the the three three eights that they're getting rid of, you know, I I would have an argument if I was um, doing vermin control, I would want the biggest caliber rifle I could have because I'm a decent shot, but I'm not a fucking dead eye, right? So if I'm shooting at say a kangaroo, which I wouldn't because I'm not a hunter, you know that, but if yeah. I was, I wouldn't want to use something that was medium to low caliber. I would want to hit it somewhere. Like the old story, if you hit it in the leg, it dies of blood. You know, it dies of the impact. Yeah. If I'm shooting something, if I'm doing vermin control, I want to make sure it's a one-shot kill. Yeah, and right. this is so what I to get that, too. you need high-powered weapons, right? Guys do hunt camels in the northwest. They do hunt um, buffalo stuff like that as vermin control. So what you want is a rifle that you know it doesn't matter where you hit that in the in the sort of torso, it's gonna die pretty much straight away. So that's my argument for vermin control. Yeah. As far as sporting goes, it's because that's the best, so I want one. Yeah. Right. And this this is yeah. why I just like it makes me suspicious, man, because like I've tried to come from their angle and I just like the only thing I can come up with is that they want to try and get them all. I'll give you a, a, a different a- angle. Um, I think McGowan has a messiah complex. He wants to save us from ourselves. He saves us from the COVID. You know, he yeah. saves us from the pandemic. Popped on his sun god robes, hopped up on his big pyramid and said, look how fucking great I am. Yeah. Right now, what's he going to attack? What's, what, what's he going to tackle next? Whew. Right. So now he's coming after our guns because of all the gun deaths in the US and all the violence in the world and that. People shouldn't have guns, and I'm going to save you from all the all these these lunatic gun owners. When him and the ex police chief, the one before this one, came on there and said, you know, there's guys out there on a Friday night tooling up like John Wick. Well, where? Yeah, where's that happening? The other thing where's is, gun? let me go back to the illegal guns. You know, and if you the other thing is, if you got the evidence against someone, fucking bring it. Let's see it. Yep. You know? But the other thing is as well is there's um there's like even the lie, the bullshit, are, oh, yeah, but, you know, while they're in civilian hands, these criminals are going to try and steal them. Okay, and so that let's... Guy, let... that fucking... I won't even say what I think of him. Sent a map. This is what people don't oh, understand. That... Sent a map of all the gun owners. So our Minister of Police sent a copy of a map where of all the addresses of all the gun owners in Western Australia to a newspaper to the West Australian, and they published it on the front page. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, and you could, and not only that, they they actually, because of the way they'd done it, they showed who had handguns and who had rifles. And it's already been so proven, basically... it's already been proven that there's been break-ins from that, Matt. I didn't know that one, but 
the bottom line is it also gave them a shopping list. We want handguns. We know this guy's got six of them, right? So, um, and that's the other thing. Let's and we'll deal with that. They're saying some guys have got fifteen and twenty guns. My club where I shoot does nine disciplines. Yeah, it's just right. So in madness. theory, I could have more than nine guns because, like, one of the disciplines that I shoot, uh, fly shooting has a rimfire version of the sport and it has a centerfire version of the sport. Right. By their own stupid rules now, we're not allowed to modify our own rifles. Yeah. Which means I can't actually take a sight off one rifle and put it onto another rifle. And this is the stupidity of the rules. And even going back to what you said, so by forcing people... and Because what will happen now, right, is people will... There'll be more illegal guns. That's my opinion. And... I know, I've got friends, right, that now own illegal weapons, right? And they're not handing them in, right? And what you said, it's your own stupidity. So now if there is a crime, it's going to be harder to trace them. Surely it would be better to just know everything that's out there, you know? And then if something does happen, well, you could, it, you got a lot better chance of tracing it back. It's just madness. I just don't understand. You know, it, it. Like, like I say, it's political, man. It's, yeah, it, it's not what right. he's doing. It's, it's just to say, look, I'm doing this. I'm saving. Yeah. And we'll, we'll do it. We'll do. I'll do that. We'll do a uh, just quickly. Everybody, they take all our guns off of us. Eighty-nine thousand registered gun owners hand back every weapon. <laughs> right, they're gone. Bang. Okay. We get compensated poorly for them. They're gone, right? Okay, so here's me. I'm a I'm a I'm a major drug cartel guy in West <laughs> exactly. Australia, and I want guns. So what am I going to do? I'm going to say, look, next week when you send me my shipment of cocaine, can you throw in a few AK-47s yeah. and some stuff Mate, like that? Three D printed. Yeah, well, that doesn't actually really work. But anyway, there's um. But they say to these guys, send us these weapons. Now it's not like these guys are ethical. No, they're going to say, right. oh, how many do you fucking want? Oh, look, they're, they're a dime a dozen down here in Colombia. We'll throw them in free if you buy, you know, <laughs> and it's set of steak knives, right? So if goes... these guys can't get the crappy weapons they've got here, they'll bring them in from other countries That's with right. their drug shipments. And it goes right? back to and... the 28,000 unregistered weapons. Yeah, now if they want to go after them, all well and good. Now here's the other thing that, McGowan and his mates have brought in is they want to have mental health checks oh. on gun owners. That's right, how they're well, going to okay. Well, here's the thing. Do you know what I reckon? They're going to do some shit like, oh, you posted some shit on Facebook, fucking you're not fit to own a gun. Well, okay, well, let, well, let's do that, but let's do the easy one first. They want us to have a mental health check every year. So process that in your own little head for the first oh, thing. Where's God. the first two problems there? The first one is you can't go and see a psychologist or a psychiatrist without a GP referral. That's you right. can't just walk in and say, I want an assessment. So you go to GP. So we've just told the federal government that West Australians, unless they're going to make us pay for ourselves, which they probably will, now we have to have 89, I'm going to say 90,000 because it makes it easier. We have to have 90,000 GP appointments so they can get 90,000 referrals try and get in and you've got the black dog man you know the story try and get in and see a psychologist or a psychiatrist now just now just phone up and say i want to come and see someone yeah they'll tell you they'll book you in next september yeah right all of a sudden we're saying that you have to have 90,000 people get a psychiatric evaluation every year right where the fuck are they going to get them done yeah, I right. just honestly, 
just the actual sheer volume of what they ask people to that people us to do can't be done. Now I'm not, and this is again, I will play the devil's advocate, and my own industry will probably not be happy with me, but I can see a value in getting a psychiatric evaluation the first time you buy a firearm. I'm yeah. against it, but I could see if they said to you, look, before you can buy one, you should maybe do it. I'm not saying you should, but maybe. At that stage, I could see saying it, right? But as a generalisation, one of the things that you have to do for your firearms licence is tell them what your genuine need to have one is. Yeah, well, this is what it comes down to, man. This is what I was going back before, saying, like, there's no data that this is even a problem. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Oh, it's not a problem, man. It's, what oh, you no, said. The, the... it's the Messiah yeah. complex. Yeah, there is a problem with the gun laws here. Right now, after Port Arthur, we did actually we developed a uh, federal level of um, a gun sort of ownership. What we should do, and all the other most of the states abided by it, but West Australia has always been the anomaly. Right, every other state in Australia, you can get yeah uh, semi-automatic rifles. You can't get them here. You can only get bolt action. That's why our rules are a bit stupid because we have the absolute base minimum of what you can categorize as a firearm we're not allowed to have large magazines we're not allowed to have semi-automatic we're not allowed to have and certainly pistols and uh have always been over controlled here yeah very right? hard to get it's hard you can't get it's almost impossible to get a pistol license here you got to shoot right? at a club regularly the only and way. you have to shoot every i think it's six shoots a year and literally the first time more, that you don't that's not six. sure yeah uh, uh, our club actually has the club I'm in. We actually have a higher uh, standard. We actually have eight shoots a year. Um, if you don't register eight shoots, we we will remove your support letter. So the police will come around and say, "Look, give us your guns back." So, again, when it comes to handguns in the community and sports shooting, we regulate ourselves. Yeah, we have exactly. we have people we have people in our sport, and if you've got a, a club supported letter uh, for your firearm. And you stop showing up. The minute you don't pay your uh, membership, right, we give you a 28-day uh, uh, grace period if you're just a member without a support letter. Yeah. Right? It's got people that own their own firearms. Um, if you have a support letter from the club, our dues are come in on the 31st of October. If by the 1st of November you haven't paid... We literally send a form to the police department saying this guy has a weapon that is no longer supported by this club. Yeah. There is no leeway. You yeah, have to yeah. be paid up on the due date or we take it back. Yeah. So handguns have always been a thing. So the, 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 the sport does regulate itself very, very heavily. Exactly. Right? But again, uh, they've taken us out of the consultation peri- uh, that's, process. That's we, part of the problem. That's one of the we were in it. big issues with the fact that they just do this shit off their own whim without consulting. Okay, just quickly, I don't speak for any professional organisation. I don't speak for my club. These are opinions. They're my own opinions. They're not the opinions of any of the yeah. associations, the SSAA or West Australian Rifle Association, any of those ones. These are personal opinions. They're not official. Yeah. Just uh, to no, be that's clear, good, because, good points, man. Yeah. yeah. So we'll um, 
we'll leave that there. We'll keep moving because we could talk about that forever. So what I yeah. want to, we want to, I want to get into some U.S. politics, but what I want to kind of touch on before that, and then we'll lead that into U.S. politics. So it's been, you know, nearly 12 months since the war in Ukraine started. So 10 months since we talked about it. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on a kind of what's happened and B, um, you know, where do you think it goes? What do you think kind of possible solutions are? And so to preference that, so I've been following it really super closely and um, even made contact with a um, volunteer soldier, we'll say, who's uh, on the ground over there because I felt like I needed somebody on the ground to get a good basis of what's going on. And so, um, you know, after the initial kind of push invasion uh, Putin's pretty much lost most of that territory that he gained in the north um, and then obviously winter hit so things slowed right down and he's only just started to make a few sort of gains more in the south um, of the country and when you say gains too right like so my contact over there is telling me that when he gains a bit of ground it's not that he necessarily gained a bit of ground it's that that day strategically fell back and gave that ground up to secure like better positions kind of thing so but what we basically know is that he's getting his ass kicked really he kind of hasn't he's kind of made a bit of ground but he hasn't really um so yeah just wanted to get your thoughts on what you thought about what's happened so far and then like possible solutions from here where does it go okay well just flashback uh so i think my original thing was it would be it wouldn't go the way anyone thought. I think that's what I said. Yeah, which is pretty uh, much what happened. Yeah, the, there'll be an initial push. Um, then there'll be uh, a stalemate, guerrilla. I thought it'd be more guerrilla warfare than it is than out out than uh, the type of warfare they're fighting. I also said that the two X factors. The the big one is that the Ukraine had friends. Yes, and they would be they would be. Uh, a lot better supplied and supported than the Russians would have thought, yep. which that seems to have come. Well, I did say that. I That's think that happened. Was in the, yep. the original one, and that was in the original podcast. And I think the other X factor I talked about was no one expecting Zelensky to be as, um, including me, uh, expecting the resilience of the uh, the president. I'm not saying the people, but I will say the president. Well, we were. No one could have saw this coming. Yeah, for sure. Right, I think that's one. One. I think it's one of the times I told you I actually agreed with Donald Trump when they asked him if he was the president would he have stayed if he or would he have fought and he says I don't know what I'd have done in the situation and everyone sort of ridiculed Trump for saying yeah we know what you're like you'd have ran away well the truth of the matter is you don't know that yeah right now I think Trump would have ran away in a fucking heartbeat but I also thought that fucking Zelensky would have probably have ran away because I didn't know the man that well. I knew he was an yeah. entertainer, a comedian, dances with the stars, Paddington Bear, I knew those things about him. But I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't see him as being a uh, a wartime leader. And I'm a hundred percent sure Putin and all his intelligence community were on my side on that one. For sure. Right. So, so the 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 war. I, I thought, like I said, I thought that, that Ukraine had friends. It'd be a quagmire, and. Yeah, and I didn't know what the X factor was. So we do that. We do know now the leadership's the X factor. Yeah. So a year down the track, where we are is nowhere. Right now, you think that the Russians, or you think that he's getting his ass felt? 
I don't know that that's specifically true. Yeah, right? that's when, kind of not really right. You're right. He's not really getting um, his ass kicked. But what I kind of meant is that he's not... Well, man, he told us he was going to run the flag up the flagpole in Kiev in the first couple of weeks. <laughs> he thought three days, three to ten days yeah. is what they thought. He had them with their dress uniforms already. That's it. You've got to get your photos for when you're doing the, you know, the march through the streets. But again, that's uh, one of our favourite things, Ari. We've said it before, is don't believe your own propaganda. Yeah. Right, you, you, you seal yourself up in a bubble and you're only, you, you surround yourself with yes-men. You're never going to know what's going on in the real world. Now, his own departments, guys that have died, fell off, a lot of people fall off buildings in the in Moscow at the moment, apparently. Yes. <laughs> there are whole departments go missing. But the guys that were supposed to monitor to what was on the ground in the Ukraine, they um they were the ones telling them that, you know, the Ukraine will, will um all open open arms. Now yeah. this is where all the leaders of the world and I'm not gonna act like I know better than everyone, but bottom line is and I'm gonna but I will give you real examples. People think that other people think the way they think. Hmm. Right, so I don't like custard. I fucking hate this shit. So I just yeah. assume everyone hates custard, yeah. right? But my wife eats bucket loads of the stuff, right? Now, I think politicians believe their own propaganda. The USA, yeah, we're the greatest country on earth. We're sure. this, we're that, right? So when they went into Afghanistan, they had a belief, and we'll go back to 1963 first. They, they thought that at the Bay of Pigs, they were going to put in American-backed separatists. And once they started fighting against, you know, Fidel, all the people were going to run out into the streets and pick up, you know, pitchforks <laughs> and that. They are going to run Fidel out of the capital. <laughs> what they didn't realize is that everyone there liked Fidel. Yeah. Right? And then we've done the same in Afghanistan. We're going to go in there. We're America. Everyone's going to love us. And, well, the Russians done it first. They've done it in the 80s. We're going to go in there, liberate Afghanistan, and the Afghanistans fought them till they eventually left. And then the Americans went in there. Oh, but we're America. We're democracy. We're bringing them chewing gum, Elvis, pies, fucking, you know, hamburgers. Fucking same deal. We don't want you here. Yeah. Same. And the most recent foray into the Middle East for us was in, when we went into Iraq, right? We'll liberate Kuwait. That's a whole different subject on whether we should have or not. But when we go into Iraq, Desert Shield, let's go and liberate Kuwait. Fine. Let's have a regime change in Iraq now as well. Let's have Desert Storm. So, yes, Norman Schwartz, or whatever his name is, they take Baghdad. We thought the same thing, man. We thought we were going to go into Baghdad. All the people were going to run into the streets and say, yeah, yeah, the Americans are here to help us. The coalition's here to help us. They were going to say, let's kill the Ayatollahs and the Mullahs and all this and that. Said, Everyone loves us. How did that turn out for us? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the bottom line is, is you can't, and we can go back to the Roman Empire, we can go back to England invading Scotland. You can't win a war on someone else's home soil. Yeah. Right? And the one I say to Australians is, if Indonesia invaded Australia, when would you give up and say, oh, well, they're here now, we're Indonesian? <laughs> you don't. Yeah. Right? So even, so where where Putin is at the moment in the Ukraine, he did really, his all his people told him, you know, the Ukrainians are going to you know, love us, they're waiting for us, they want the, you know, the big Soviet Union. They thought... And Putin thinks that people love them. Now, if you actually look at the actual... if We're going to leave the Ukraine for a second, but we're going to go to Kazakhstan and all of those little Baltic states who Russia's already had, who's always had a, a heavy influence in. Right. 
before the Soviet Union collapsed. Most of those states at the moment, if you actually look at the way that they're treating Putin, that's where he's lost the most. Yeah. What's going on on the ground at the moment in the Ukraine is that's military losses that he'll never ever recover from, right? But he's also lost um, all the ex-Soviet states, up to, to including Belarus, who would yeah. never have questioned him at any, at any time. They've actually actually started questioning his um, his ability to to uh, deliver anything. Yeah. Right well, it's now. only a Everyone... few very small districts, even in Ukraine, that are what you call Russian-friendly. Yeah, two of them. Yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, and I can't pronounce them. That's my, like Donsky and the yeah, other Yeah, I was going to say Donetsk or, I don't know, I don't <laughs> or whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how to say it. Donny and the other guy. Yeah, the other uh, guy. So, so, so they, they, they are, and they are very pro-Russian. Now, here, here's where he made a mistake. If those states were genuinely unhappy of Ukrainian rule, it should have been done through diplomacy. Yeah. Actually invading other countries is a thing of the past. Exactly. Uh, no so one can afford it. Do you reckon that was just bad intel? Oh, I'm sure it was bad intel. I think he thought that... Um, what you the, said too, believe in his own bullshit. Yeah, all those guys saying, oh, the Ukrainians love us, you know, everyone loves you, the horse shot with your shirt off, that just gets them all going. <laughs> um, so I think he thought that, and again, I think we did touch on it in the last one, so I got I can't remember the conversations we've had on the phone and, and, and whatnot, um, as opposed to what we talked in the last podcast. But one of the things I think that um, the problem with, uh, with, with Putin is, is he doesn't take criticism of himself. No. Right. So everybody has to tell him that he's the best at this, he's the best at that. Yeah. You know, he, these people love us and that's it. So if you get only get in that small bubble of, of, of intelligence, you're going to think that that's true. And also, if you take it away from the actual <clears throat> intel on the Ukraine and back to his own army, and I th like I say, this is about, I don't remember if we talked on the phone of, his army and his generals and everyone are so corrupt that yeah. he thought he had a modern army. And yeah, that's one thing that's really the, come out. Right? He, he portrayed it to the rest of the world that we have this big modern army. We're, we're, we're you know, this is the mighty fucking bear. We're, we're back there again. And he probably believed that. The guy that, uh, like, again, that syndrome of people falling off the tops of tall buildings in Moscow, the guy that gave the, the Black uh, Sea Fleet uh, flagship, I can't remember what its name was, the one that uh, they sunk. Yeah, yeah. Right, so it was so long ago in the war, but ironically that was built in the Ukraine. Um, they had just had a refit, right, and it was like billions of dollars of, of, of Russian currency to refit it. Now, uh, again, this would have to be fact-checked. I have read it. It may not be 100% accurate, but basically when they were getting it refurbished, there were seven contractors in the Russian sphere of influence who could do the the, uh, the refurbishment of a ship of that, 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 that standard. Yeah. They went for the eighth name on the list. Right, which was literally written in pencil. Right, so yeah, one of the yeah, probably <laughs> one of them. But it was the last, the last, the last company. So you have like you know, I'll, I'll use American companies. You got like Boeing, and you got all of these ones. I know they make planes, not ships, but you got all these ones, and you got down to Steve's Auto Shop. 
Yeah. And that's the one they went with. Now, the guy that gave that contract, he has he has been killed. That 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 has been verified. The guy that was in charge of their ship maintenance has been executed. Yeah, shot himself in the back of the head three times. Yeah, and then <laughs> cut his own organs out and sold them on the black market. Yeah. Um, but the uh, they reckon that the two missile launchers that they showed them, like for demonstrations, were the only two that worked. Now, I don't know how much of this is uh, anti-Russian propaganda, but it's sort of come out that the guy said that if you didn't see it on television, it hadn't actually been done. The most expen- the most they spent on the ship was paint. Yeah, right. Right, so they reckon that uh, the officers on the ship said that this thing isn't actually battle ready, <laughs> right? But... That never got to Putin. He got there that two new ships, uh, there are uh, one aircraft carrier, one huge you know, uh, flagship has been refurbished. Yeah, they are equal to anything the Americans have got, anything the Chinese have got whatsoever. So he had that. And then, of course, you had that all through his thing. They're now issuing, you know, I can drive a tank. We've had that discussion. Yeah, yeah. Right. The tanks I learned to drive on were ex-Soviet stuff, T-55s. Yeah. The tank I drove is more modern than some of the shit they're putting into the field at the moment. Yeah. Right? And it was a clunker when I was driving it. Right? <laughs> so there's um, it, it's got push-pull steering. It's noisy. It has no reactor farmer, no NBC capabilities. It is basically one step up from a T-34 that they made in the war. Right? Uh, they're sending them to the field. Right now, again... They're banging on about their main battle tank, the Armada, the um, uh, T-14, being the best tank in the world. So where are they? Yeah. Not right, so the Well, I originally thought it was because they may have been worried about a uh, counteroffensive from NATO. Yeah. Right, so if Poland gets tied up in it and NATO come in, he would need all of his primary stuff to defend That's kind of makes me think... The Russia... Like... I don't know. It's almost like it's a bit of a half-assed invasion. <laughs> well, it is a half-assed invasion. That's why I'm saying uh, this is where you're asking me where we are. We're nowhere. Yeah. Right? He hasn't committed right. his air force. Yeah. He hasn't committed his his um his elite units. Wagner uh, mercenaries are doing most of the fighting and dying at the moment. They're using prisoners and conscripts and all that. So they haven't yeah. actually committed the thing. But it goes back to the basic premise that you can't have a military dictatorship if you have no military. Yeah. Right, so if he commits his armadas, and they reckon, I don't know, no one knows for sure. I've read that they they number in the tens. Yeah, okay. Now, he's banging on about these things that are in the hundreds. This is their MBT. But they reckon they're in the tens, right? So even if they've got like 13 or 14 or 24, or say they're in the hundred, say they've got a hundred of them, Right, javelins and laws are going to take them out. Yeah, it's still not enough. It's still not enough, right? And with the embargo, again, unverified, could be propaganda, they reckon that they're actually literally stripping down microwave ovens and um, anything electronic to get components out of them because of the embargo. Yeah. They can't build any more tech gear. They can't rebuild their missiles because they don't have the guidance stuff. Um they're well, running out of oh, gun. That's kind of the intel that I'm getting too. Yeah. 
So, so they're running out of stuff. But by the same token, they haven't committed any of their their, their major Air Force assets. Apparently, yeah. they launched a hypersonic missile. I just uh, look Kiev. I don't know if that's true or not. Well, I just looked. Um, even so, there's a couple of interactive maps that you can follow, and it follows all the missile launches and everything. And one one that I've um, can't remember the website, um, but. One of the interesting things I noticed about that was that um, there's a lot of failures. <laughs> there's a lot of them that yep. just land and don't go off. So the other question, so moving on, I'll ask you, because you summed that up pretty good. So what do you think happens now, and what do you think possible solutions are? Well, there is actually only one solution. Right. What's that? Unfortunately, it's going to have to be negotiation. Yeah, okay. Now, I don't I know how that... I don't know how that's going to look. Well, I got right a theory. Now. Actually, well, tell me. Well, I kind of think. Yeah, I'm cutting you off a bit, but um, okay, I'll yeah. tell you my theory, and then you tell me what you think. I actually think that that's the only way now, and I actually think it's it. It as much as I don't like to say it, it's up to the Americans. It's up to the Americans to go in there and negotiate a bit of a deal. And look, as you know, with any negotiation, there's like you've got to give a bit to get a bit, and you know, I think like they probably just say like you know, well, okay. You've got Crimea, you've got the port, you can have that because it's kind of hard to gauge and I've been listening to a lot of different stuff, but there seems to be a little bit of noise around people saying that, you know, Putin is actually open to the right kind of negotiation, but he doesn't want people pulling the piss out of him. What do you think about that? Well, I think your premise that it will be the Americans is completely wrong. Right, so because the Americans don't... Well, we'll get to that. The Americans don't want it to end. Right? The Ooh, Americans are fighting. Yeah, that's a good point. The Americans are fighting a pseudo war against Russia. Exactly. Um, at, at the moment, they don't really want it to end. They don't really care. They're, they're not doing this out of the goodness of their hearts, right? Yeah. Uh, they're doing it for zones of control. Now, if they negotiate uh, a settlement where uh, the Ukraine loses any territory. First off, the Ukrainians won't go. The Ukrainians won't go for it. Um, but that's a loss for the US, right? the The negotiations I'm talking about is the way they have to negotiate, and it has to be China, because okay. uh, uh, yeah, they're the closest allies at the moment. Yeah. Um, the negotiations have to go something along the lines of you pull point. back to your pre-war borders. Probably up to and including the Ukraine, but that will be that. The Ukraine's going to be the sticking point in anything I say. So I'm just going to pretend that it doesn't exist. Use pullback behind your borders will lift the sanctions off you. Yeah, right. It's going to be. It has to be economic. You know, the the the, yeah. the Russians are bankrupt. They've ran out of money. The only thing right is, they're, they're kind of like they're kind of like the petrol station of Europe. Yeah, but as things go on. That'll change. The dynamic of that will change. Good for us because they're like LPG. Yeah, but good point. The dyna- the dynamic has to change. The Russians, the Europe, and the other ones. It's a domino principle. If they let him keep anything, right, it's going to be uh, a moral victory for him. Right. Now, we can't afford him to do that. And I really, I don't normally say this. I'm not a reactionary sort of person. I'm not that guy. But this guy, if he doesn't get stopped now, it will be like World War Two. 
I've taken a little bit of this country. Now I'm going to take a little bit of because you got to remember that's what Adolf Hitler done. He he yeah. said that he was going to take back the Germanic states when after World War One they lost territory. Now he actually said, "I'm only going to take back the territory where there's German speaking people, right?" And so I want this bit of Hungary back, and I want this and this and this. And he said, "This is what Germany was. I just want the German German talky bits back." Yeah, and that's what he done. Well, we know he didn't stop there. Right. Once he took it, any country that had any of those bits in it, he took them right up to we got to Poland and we said enough's enough. Now, Russian Putin's played doing it for the same uh, playbook. These two provinces here are Russian-speaking, pro-Russian provinces, or sixty percent of the people are. Right. But he didn't want to stop at those. He wanted all of the Ukraine. Now, if he would have took those two regions back, those two regions, like he took the Crimea in, in two thousand and fourteen. There wouldn't have been the world backlash that there is. Right. But the fact he rolled into a completely sovereign country, which he had a pre peace agreement with, um, proved that he doesn't think he has limits. Again, he, I don't think he thinks he has limits because yeah, of his, his thing. So I think if he took this, um, all the other little states aren't part of his zone of influence. That, but were part of the Soviet Union's uh, influence, he's going to t- try and take them back as well. He wants to rebuild the Soviet Union, right? I think mm, the yeah, propaganda he got that. from yeah, and the propaganda he got from his own people was that we want to make you know Russia great again, right? Yeah. So, funnily enough, he always says the Soviet Union when he means Russia, right? So yeah, uh, he's actually I think not... he's actually said that before, like yeah, that he wants to make. Restore the old Soviet Union. Yeah, and there, would, there, would, there could have been ways of doing that, but invading other countries, he should have tried to make a commonwealth. Or he should, make, he should have tried to do the same as the European Union done. Yeah, good point. Economic, make, an, make an economic pact and then defend your economic pact with other stuff. Yeah. Because that's what the world is now. The wars are, wars are outdated. It's all commerce, zones of influence and stuff like that. Where, so where think, it's going for, do you think China will? Because you're sort of saying that as a solution. Do you think they will do that? Or is it just us hoping? No, no. That, um, I don't know. I think that the, the, the thing that happened during the week or the last fortnight, the, the most one of the most telling things in the world at the moment, uh, the fact that uh, Xi of China just made himself, for the next five years, he's uh, yeah, Premier that. again president whatever they have right well it's not for the next five years that's forever <laughs> right now yeah. he makes no secret that he wants taiwan right uh he wants to reunify taiwan with the uh, the um the chinese mainland it's one of his big mandates yeah. now the longer that the ukrainian conflict goes on the more depleted everyone else's ammunition supplies become. They're already short of artillery shells. They're already short of so much other stuff in the yeah. world. We we can't get uh, enough into the Ukraine of the stuff that we said that we're going to give them. Man, that's what my guy on the ground over there is saying. That's one of the things what? he's saying. Well, the thing is, it's, 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 we'll go back to the Ukraine on the ground, the military part of it, where, where it ends. The hardest part is, is they can't give them anything that that the Ukrainians anything that becomes overly offensive, right? Because yeah. 
the the whole no hope nukes. is well the ukraine should never have gave up her nukes because she had some she had a lot of them actually she had about uh, 1600 of them oh man actually that reminds me I, and oh, in, in 1990s go on sorry no you go oh i was just gonna say after the first because you said that in the first podcast should have never given up nukes and i had a, someone a follower actually send me a YouTube video basically explaining why Ukraine couldn't hang on to them. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that, but we'll probably have to do that for another one because I wanted to watch, wanted you to watch that video and see what you thought about. But Just quickly, what was it? It was Synopsis. basically kind of along the lines of they just didn't have the capabilities to, because as you know, maintaining nukes is a thing. Like it's not just, you don't just have them kind of thing. No, that's true. It's, it's a bit of a thing, and basically saying that they just didn't really have the capabilities to kind of hang on and to them look after. Okay, them. well, I'm not. Who uh, I'll watch that if you can link it to me later. But yeah, yeah they're right. But that's nuclear missiles, right? You got to keep the warheads, uh, weapons grade capabilities, and all this other shit. Nuclear <laughs> artillery lasts a lot longer, right? Yeah. Because yeah, the battle—you got to remember what the the Ukrainians had left was was more. Uh, there weren't—I don't think there was any ICBMs. I think that was like old, like uh, pre-thermonuclear stuff, like old World War Two technology. But yeah, I'll check that out. And no, no, they had they had they, they had they had atomic artillery. They had short-range and medium-range missile launchers. I don't think they had any ICBMs, but I could check on that. And you're right; it they take a lot of maintenance. By the way, I was actually going down that road of nuclear maintenance uh but nuclear artillery shells and stuff like that they last a lot lot longer yeah, right okay. so but uh putin signed it was putin signed it in 1996 he signed a, a, a peace agreement saying that we, they would let the ukraine live in perpetuity without any soviet aggra- uh, russian aggression if they gave back all the nuclear weapons right now you know my philosophy if you've that got them chestnut. you never give them away that old chestnut right <laughs> Um, so they the, the nuclear artillery would have uh, still worked. Now, let's talk about nuclear readiness. This is where the world, this is where the Ukraine becomes a bit of a hotspot because we don't know if they're nuclear ready, right? Now, if every other aspect of the Soviet Union, ex-Soviet Union states is corrupt and they've sold everything off, how do they know that the guys that are supposed to be maintaining the nuclear-grade fuel in their um, missiles are. Yeah, good point. Right? How do they know that, like, it's not like the same. They're spending, I mean, uh, weapons-grade ores, something hideous, like $6,000 a gram. Yeah. Right? How do we know that, you know, Sputnik General has been given this big briefcase of rubles and they said, right, you've got to fucking you know, make sure our nuclear fucking birds are going to fly, yeah. eh? And there are, are incidences where the, uh, they found out that they were siphoning off the fucking uh, rocket oh. fuel and selling on the black market. So how do we know his nuclear arsenal works if it's anything to go it. on? Because I, I see this on. rolled out all the time, like, oh, you know, Putin's got the most nukes in the world and that's why we should be... And I'm like, well... Actually, does he really? Do we? How do we know that? Well, at one stage though, they said he had the largest tank armies in the world. Exactly, and like right? always, and my brain always goes to like skepticism. You know, it always goes to like, well, fucking, just because someone says that on TV, don't mean shit to me. Like, how do we actually really know that? Is he don't just believe bluffing? your own propaganda? Yeah, <laughs> don't believe anyone's propaganda. But here's, here's the thing: their, their ships were supposed to have been brought up to be, you know, state of the art. 
able to, you know, go head to head with American technology. Just crap. At, and they're crap. Yeah. And it was the same. Uh, you know, the guys in the, their field, their body armor. This isn't <clears throat> fucking hot. They, they're, they're issuing guys with uh, gel soft and paintball body armor. Yeah. Right. Like, Stuff look, like I know that, what you're you saying know? before, you know, like you keep your good shit, but I'm like, really? This is like what you're sending into an invasion? Like, you, to me, like, if that's what you're sending in, your shit's not as good as what you're saying it is. Well, they're giving the. The, the latest uh, uh, tank reinforcements are T-64s, right? So, I mean, they're, uh, they, they're, they're, the number is the year that they're designed. So T-64 is designed in 64, which meant, probably meant it was produced five or six years later. T-34 was 1934. T-14 Armada was designed in, yeah, 2014. Yeah. So... Um, so they're they're actually pulling out these things now. A lot of their armor has no reactor armor on it, so they're not even going. We won't even have to use the stuff he's putting in the field at the moment. We won't even have to use javelins and laws against exactly. them. <laughs> yep, your fucking standard fucking handheld fucking throwaway fucking uh, rocket launcher that yeah. everyone gets. And, man, that's what they're using. They'll go straight through them like There's butter. Video online. Not, yeah. And they're not using mixed arm uh, tactics. There's no air support when these guys go in. They apparently they're probe positions. Now we will go again. We'll assume that some of this is propaganda as well. They reckon they're probe positions by just throwing soldiers at them. Okay, how do I think the war's going to end? We're going to get sick of killing Russians. Yeah, I think I think it's how the war's going to end because uh, man, a lot of people dying and like. So it's been going, what is it, just over 12 months, something, 14 yep. months. 100,000 people, right? And to give some, uh, you know, a bit of a aspect on that. So 20 years in Afghanistan, 300,000 people. Yeah. And we're up to 100,000 already. I thought it was up to 200,000. Well, it might even be more. But, yeah, I was just looking today, doing some research. And most, conser- well, I was going with the conservative figures. And, like, that's a lot of people, man, in 14 months. Either way, I think yeah. Uh, I'll just see if I can get the the big thing is is that the humanitarian cost that we're inflicting on the uh, on the Russians is 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 huge, and it's not on the people. Uh, who it should be at, you know again either. Yeah, that's right. It's always the people right. who suffer, man. Of course it is. Now, his, his original call-up was he went to all the ethnic areas, uh, low-speaking. They don't draw them from Moscow and places like that. They go out into the yeah, the yeah. sticks and, and pull those cannon guys. Fodder. Yeah, cannon fodder. And that's actually how they um, they uh, they describe themselves. Yeah. Um, the number of Russian troops killed and wounded in Ukraine is approaching 200,000. Fuck. Right, so surely he's got to get so, tired of that eventually. That's why it makes me think. But he won't. You got to remember World War Two. Now, yeah, this is true. how. Yeah. This I again, we'll care. go back to it. the beginning question you ask is, "Where are we?" We're actually nowhere. Uh, mm. You got to remember that all wars, when when Germany was running amok in in the nineteen thirty nine onwards, nobody thought it could be stopped. At that stage, the Russians had nothing. 
Yeah. Right. They, the, the 1917 revolution destroyed their capacity to build capital warships. Uh, they had no tanks. They actually ended up using Lend-Lease tanks from the Americans. They got uh, Shermans and a couple of other things like that. So at the start of World War uh, Two, it was almost a foregone conclusion that the Germans were going to win. Right. But we know that didn't happen. Yeah. Right. Uh the Russians threw 20 million people into that, that, that war. They never even thought about it. They thought it was you know, the glory of the yeah. saving the motherland. It's in their culture. It is in their culture. And the problem at the moment is is most of the people, I don't know what the, the genuine on-the-ground sentiment is, but that whole thing I said to you about people can't, people in their own soil will defend yeah. their life. If you get fucking amped up enough... Now they're telling them that the Russian, the Ukrainians, and the West are coming to take their country off of them. That's what they're getting day and night. Yeah. We started, and according to him, we started this war. Yeah. Right now, and they all the all the Soviets, uh, the Russians can see is that we they're getting artillery, they're getting planes, they're getting tanks, they're getting anti tank missiles, all coming in from the West. So it's a very easy thing for him to sell to his people. The Americans, the evil NATO and the evil Americans are coming for us. Yeah, well, even, right. and um, we should start wrapping up the Russian, but yeah, I want yeah, to say about that. So he, um, that's part of why I don't believe, you know, kind of what he's saying, because, you know, at the start, he basically said, anyone who helps them, basically look out, we're going to fucking send you some nukes. Well, heaps of countries have been helping out, and he's done fuck all. Yeah, because I, I think that's the, Chi- the Chinese influence. Yeah, okay. I think China, if he launches a nuke, it's all over. Yeah, right. oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, right. Sure. Not just for, first off, I don't know if his nukes will fly. Secondly, I don't know, there, there will be people, and this is, this is the uh, plan B. Everyone says, why don't people kill him? Right, well, for a start, all the people that are closest to him, they stand to benefit the most from everything that he does. Yeah. Right? These oligarchs and all of them, they're rich because of him. Wagner Group has the best, most renewed in the world because of him. Yeah. Also, these guys are all implicated in everything he's done. If they have a revolution, it'll be like the French one, it will be like their own one. Yeah. Everyone that even helped him will get dragged into the streets, even if it's one of his own people that brings him down. Yeah, yeah. Everyone that was standing next to him is going to get crucified it's not coups are never clean no right so it's gonna be very interesting to see how it plays out Uh, but um, i think i think if it's a just we'll we'll just wrap up on the russian thing i think if there's going to be a collapse in the the soviet union from their side it's going to be from the military yeah i think at some if i think there's a in in deep dark corners and basements there will be a whole bunch of generals and a whole bunch of colonels not of the inner circle, yeah, uh, but still wield a lot of military power. He's going to say, "I want to launch a nuke at Kiev," which I don't think he'll do. If he's going to launch a nuke, I think he'll launch it over the ocean. By the way, I don't think he'll actually use it on land or people. I think he would do a, a, a low, a low yield nuclear burst over the ocean, nowhere, yeah, uh, to say, "Look, I've got these, and I'm going to use them." The minute he does that, he gets no more support from China. He gets no more support from India. 
Yeah. Right, the alternative is he says to one of these guys that are in the fucking no, right, I'm going to launch a small nuclear weapon on Kiev, take off the head of the snake, and then I'm going to take over this, the rest of the Ukraine. I think then the generals are sitting in the fucking the bunker and think, we have to have a life after Putin. Yeah, that's right. right. We need a life. The guy's an old man. He's going to be dead in the next decade. Um, Where do we go next? We launch one nuke. And the rest of the world tell us for the fucking for the next fifty years, yeah, you get fuck all. Yeah, you don't get help. You don't get new medicine. You don't get technology. You don't get fuck all. You launch a nuclear weapon, the economic sanctions from the rest of the world, including their closest allies, will be horrendous. Right? I think you're right because <clears throat> if you look at history, that's actually where a lot of these things get up is through the military. Yeah, Japan hasn't. Uh, since 1945, Japan hasn't had an offensive-capable military, right, because the rest of the world wouldn't let them, because they bombed Pearl Harbor. That was conventional, right? Germany, after World War One, World yeah. War Two, the, the treaties against those two countries were all economic. They weren't, they weren't military. Yeah. Right, so if he launched, if, and you've got to remember, uh, the Russia's economy is smaller than Australia's, right? They're yeah, bankrupt. True. Why, why he has to start thinking about of, of an exit strategy is because six months from now, he's got no money. Yeah. It's that simple, right? So six months from now, he's got no money. China, as much as they're Russia's ally, you can remember in the 1950s and 60s, they used to fight border wars. I think China's yeah. sitting there rubbing their hands. They're, they're, they're watching <laughs> America and NATO's forces get depleted in a war that's got nothing to do with them. They're seeing Russia... They have basically moved Russia into being a second-class citizen. Now, the two top players in the world, whether Putin wants it or not, are now China and America. Yeah. India are close third. Russia ranks somewhere around you know, New Zealand or New Caledonia. You know, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a spent power. He's still a major power because he has nuclear weapons, but he's no longer a superpower and he's no longer in a position to do that. So the exit strategy, I think, from I, I, don't, I don't have an end point this week. I think it will be, uh, I think we're still about, I, I don't want to make a prediction. Yeah, I think no, he's going to run enough. out of money. Oh, man, you've, um, man, you've put some gold down there. <laughs> yeah, good analysis. I like all that. Um, can't argue with too much more of that. So we'll keep moving. Um, there's just two more things I want to do before we wrap up. So um, the um, bit of US politics and then the most important thing, which is um, top five arcade games of all time but um we'll get yeah. to that so yeah just quickly so on the u.s politics um obviously so we had the midterms and you and i like to talk about u.s politics it's a bit of a hobby of ours so i want to sort of get your thoughts uh first of all on the midterm results what we learned from that um and then also you know the candidates because they're gonna so they've obviously got an election coming up and it's looking, yeah. it's looking quite interesting because um, old mate Joe's saying that he's running again. I'm not um, 100% sure how happy his party is with that, but I kind of don't really think that anything gets done without the party um, analysis. So, yeah, first of all, touch on the midterms. Um, what did, did we learn anything out of that, do you think? Or well, midterm what, we did learn, what we did learn is that... Uh, as much as he lost Congress, he actually done better than any president in the midterms in 
since like I think it was like since Teddy Roosevelt or something yeah. like that. He, he made gains in the Senate. If you go down the ticket, if you look at the gubernatorial elections and and DAs and all that sort of yes. stuff, uh, they actually cleaned up. He did all right, right? Yeah, and they didn't lose any. I mean, before the midterms, they're all going on about your your Tucker Carlsons and your fucking Hannity and all those nut jobs. <laughs> and that's not an opinion. You guys are fucking nut jobs. Um, I'll touch on that in two seconds. But what what we, they were all going on about? This isn't a red wave. They were trying to find better words. They're all trying to one up each other. It's not a red wave. It's going to be a red tsunami. It's going to be a red storm. It's going to be this. <laughs> well, it petered out. They barely got enough fucking yeah. people. To, they, I think they got seven seats in their favour, which is why that George Santos, the guy that can't lie straight in bed, that's why they can't denounce him because if they have to have a a, uh, a runoff election for his seat and they lose that, they've lost even more ground. Yeah. Right. So I think the the Republicans never got. There was no red wave. It was no. like a fucking yeah. You know, it was like a puddle in the park. There I was think no. It was a big failure for them, in my view. Oh, like, it was. It was it, epic failure. Yeah, epic. They just and, didn't get. And the interesting thing was, it was that's not what was predicted. Oh no, it was. But that's the thing. That that's the thing, Ira. Um, I I thought we had discussed this beforehand. Yeah. I think I I I think I told you. I thought that they would retain the Senate. I I actually oh, thought they'd I'm retain not all of them. Your predictions. I'm talking about yeah, other people's predictions. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but a lot of my stuff was based on a uh, on uh, if you actually look back again, 2020 hindsight. If you actually look back to the pundits who knew what they're talking about. They were actually saying, well, look, we don't see why they think this is going to be so close, yeah. right? The numbers aren't saying that. Now, I don't – I'm fairly ambivalent about Joe Biden. I really am. I, I Actually, he's one of the few politicians I have no opinion on. Uh, I don't like him, don't dislike him. I, I don't have a – maybe it's because he reminds me of my granddad. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's actually doing a fairly good job, right, uh, so he's hard. It, I could see he's not the charismatic leader that a party needs to, you know, if they, because unfortunately elections now are popularity contests, not yeah. uh, based on, uh, on on any democratic principle. So as far as the midterms go, I think he was doing a good job. I think all the centralist Republicans realised he was doing a good job. The evangelicals are abandoning the GOP at the moment and for right reasons. They got everything they want from Trump. They got all their pro-life judges, so they don't need Trump anymore. They can say, if you actually follow that, they're all saying we don't give Trump our support anymore. He, you know, He's not a man of faith. He's not that. Well, that's okay to say that now because you fucking got everything you wanted when he was president. Yeah. You got six fucking conservative judges on the Supreme Court, about 147 other appointments down line that are all these pro-life fucks. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about that, but yeah, that's all right. You've already said it. <laughs> right. So you got all of that going on. So they got everything they want. So they can they can dump Trump. I'm, I'm dying to get to the 2024. Well, I was just going to say, let's prediction. get to the candidacy. So first of all, let's start with the Democrats. So do you think? Um, because at the start, I was like, ah, oh, no, they're not going to run Joe again. But I'm actually thinking the closer it gets to it, I'm actually thinking they probably will. And probably I'd like to get your opinion on, um, so the main probably, I've been doing my research, it looks like probably Nikki Haley is probably going to be the main um, 
candidate. There's a few others in there, like uh, Marianne Wilson and a couple of others, um, but I kind of see her as the main. So she's she your front row, is she? Well, I I don't know. Like that's kind. Well, the, that seems to be what the noise is. But I'd be interested to know what do you think. So let's start with Democrats. Who do you think will will get that? Will get the candidacy? If he doesn't die, Joe. It'll be Joe. Yeah, right. I think you're right. Um, but here's the thing: this this that election is, that is the thing. But what you were saying, like he's eighty years old, man. Yeah, he won't. He, there's there's only two there's two scenarios in my head, right? If he doesn't run, if he's not the candidate, he's already said he's running. It's hit. Well, yeah, you can say lots of things in politics. Yeah, true. Right. Um, Twenty four hours is a fucking lifetime. He could get a tap on the shoulder. Yeah, uh, well, no, he he's the one. He will decide whether he's going to run or not, right? Now, so my predictions are actually going to be completely irrelevant by the time we get to the Republicans, right? But if Joe decides to run, I think they'll let him run. Yeah. If Joe's done this as a, uh, a swan song, because you got to remember, he's vice president under Obama. He yeah. has a, a super distinguished career. Uh, he's been around career. Right, I like he he's on good terms with all the Republican uh, uh, hierarchy, uh, like him and Mitch McConnell, who you'd think would hate one another. <laughs> yeah. right, they're friends. Yeah. Right, so these guys, he's been he's been on the, he has literally lived in Washington all his days. He doesn't have enemies on both sides of the thing. He has eminent people attack him like that. Those two nut jobs, Bubba and fucking Green. And Matt gets on, and they go after them. the Freedom Caucus. They call themselves. They go after. Yeah. But as a generalization, the guy has served his country well for a long, long fucking time, right? And I think the presidency for him was uh, a pat on the back on the kind way out of a the reward. door. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You've done all of this. We're going to get you. You know, you're going to go. You're going to get your portrait in 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 the halls of the White House. You're going to be the this president, forty six, I think he is. Uh, you're gonna be forty six president. What about Kamala Harris? I think she is there. Uh, I I think she's the front runner candidate if he doesn't do it. Yeah. Right, because you got your woman vote, you got your black vote. Uh, she's slowly faded off into the ether. You don't hear anything about her, but that's normal for vice presidents. Yeah. Uh, she hasn't done anything that's controversial. Uh, they can't hang Hunter Biden's laptop around her, which is a load of shit, by the way. Or, or yeah. uh, you know, so they, she's she's a good, clean candidate. They've got a lot. They have a lot of good candidates on their side. The reason I think it won't be Harris if it's not is I don't think she has enough time in the middle. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good but candidate. She's probably, but... she's probably the second, like in line. Do you reckon? Who do you reckon? Well, who would you put in front of her? I, look, I, I, like Nikki Haley, I think, has got potential, but I think she needs to be around a bit longer. Again, not, but, not enough time in the middle. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And I think Kamala Harris is probably a little bit further up the track than her, yeah. but yeah, not too you can't get You can't get Bernie Sanders, who, <laughs> no. you know. Uh, oh, look, I, like, I love Bernie. I like, but... I but love Bernie. The problem, he's too old as well. Yeah, I right. agree. He um, kind of had his run. And actually, that's funny because I've got another question I want to ask you about that. So, okay, let's flip over to um, so the Republicans. So we've got our old mate, Ron DeSantis. Old Trump. And, yeah, Ron. Now, here's the thing I'm I'm thinking about that. Here's the only problem I see with that, right? 
I think he's got a good shot, but here's the problem I see, right? There is a lot of candidates on that side, right? Now, if you're... There's only three, but go on. Yeah, but... What I'm, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, there's only really three that have got a chance. The only problem I see is that because of the Trump vote and, like, let's... I don't know. I'm going to, like, throw myself under the bus here and say, really, it's kind of like the redneck vote, right? But it's a popular... And that's not really the right thing to say about those types of people, but... It's just the way we kind of say it in you know, Australia, like Bogans or whatever. The only problem I see with DeSantis is that I see that Donald's going to, you know, the Donald, the Donald fans are going to steal a lot of votes off him. I, I, I don't think, actually, I don't think that's true at all, man. I think it's uh, completely the opposite. I think that okay. Ron DeSantis is, uh, is Donald Trump light. Yeah. Right. Donald Trump with a brain. Yeah, exactly. Right, so here's my, th- He's a lot I'll more do my sensible. three. I'll do my three candidates. Right. Okay. Donald has yeah. to be in the melt. Yeah. And he will be on the ballot, yeah. which is going to be funny. But he's, he may not be the Republican candidate. I think it's between Ted Cruz and Ron DeSantos for the actual nomination. Okay. But don't write off Donald Trump. Yeah. Right, because, yeah, this is what I mean. But, he's got such a like, – we don't like him, right? But he's got such a big following, you can't deny it. Right, so we'll, 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 we're going to go back to the Democrats for 30 seconds. Whichever Democratic candidate we put up is going to be the next president of the USA. You don't right. think Ron could beat Joe? Nope. No. Because if... Um, no, I don't think he can. Uh, even a straight-up fight, but it's not going to be a straight-up fight. So here's my 2024 fucking bombshell. I think it's the first time in history they're going to have three names on the fucking ballot. Ooh. Right, because what I think is the Democrats will unite behind whoever. Yeah, true. Ron yeah. DeSantis, That's... Or they, if they give it to Trump, they can't win. Yeah, I agree. Right, they can't win with Trump because they've lost the evangelicals already and they've lost moderate Republicans and they've lost females as well. Yeah. This is to say, not to say that if he's in jail, all, my, all, the, um, all this goes out the window, right? But if they don't... Trump can't win this time. It's just not going to happen. Even Well, this is uh, my point. This is what I think, like you said exactly. I think Democrats, they're going to have one candidate. And the problem with the Republicans is they're too fractured. And I think it's going to fuck them because they're going to steal numbers off each other. Well, they are. and But that's not just going to be in the primaries. That's going to be at the, the ballot. Now, if we'll take Trump out of the equation, right? So if Ted Cruz and uh, there's actually a female Republican's already nominated. She's trying to can't remember her name. Um, She'll get eviscerated between now and then. Amy Klobuchar, is it? I can't remember. Is it? Yeah, something Could like be. That. Yeah, yeah. I know you Right, mean. but she, she's, she's going to get eviscerated. Now, Trump hates women to start with, so he's already nominated that he's running. Right, so... The two people he's attacking at the moment, Ron DeSantos, or what does it call him? Sanctimonious. Yeah. <laughs> Coming from a guy that done a photo up with a Bible upside down outside of a <laughs> church where he just tear gas yeah. people. Yeah. You know, pot, kettle, black. Yeah. You know, run with it as you will. So I think what's going to happen is the, the grand old party, the GOP, they're going to try and decide who they want. Now, if they put in Trump, he can't do it. He hasn't got, even though he has his MAGA nut jobs, who I love, by the way, the head of Fox News came on the media the other day and said, I lied. Tucker Carlson lied. Hannity lied. They all lied. 
But the MAGA nuts said, no, you didn't. Mm. Right? They still, you know, it doesn't matter how many of their followers they told, they were all lied to, the election wasn't stolen. They keep oh, going on man. about, no, no, you're wrong, the election was stolen. Okay, so you've got hey, all those Can I just jump. butt in there real quick, right, yeah, just for the listeners' sake? I've been down this rabbit hole, right, and I'm talking fucking possibly hundreds of hours, maybe not hundreds, but a lot of, couple solid weeks research. It's all bullshit. There's nothing there. It. There's nothing There's there. Nothing. Trust me. No. And I won't go into it because I won't bore you, but I've been down there. There's nothing there. <laughs> the election wasn't stolen, but their no. own nut jobs still say, yes, it was. Even though all the people that told them it have said, no, we lied. We were just doing it for right. We were doing this. So the MAGA nut jobs are still, no, no. We still believe you. Mm. We believe your lies. We don't want to believe the truth, right? Okay, so so you got those people there. So if Trump runs, those guys probably will still vote for him. Yeah, but they're the only people who will. All your moderate Republicans, all your evangelicals, they're not going to vote for him, right? So put him to, into a pigeon box for a second, preferably Rikers Prison, but a pigeon hole for now. <laughs> okay, so what you've got now is you've got. You get the the, the, the the GOP, the Republicans, fighting over who's going to be the candidate. So it's either going to be, in my opinion, it's either going to be Ted Cruz or Ron DeSantis because now Ron DeSantis, he's following, he's banned, you know, build the wall, everyone's woke, banned books, do this. So he's, he's playing to Trump's uh, base. Yeah. Right, because he wants their votes. Right now, he'll also be playing. If you watch, he's trying to play at the business community. He's been doing that. Ted Cruz has been strangely quiet, although he is doing some side lobbying, mostly uh, uh, to industry and uh, and uh, welfare reform. Don't spend money and all that sort of shit. So those two are going to. It will come down to those two. One yeah, of those two. Right will be the nominee, I think. They have to go with Ron. They can't they've got no chance with, with Trump and like even the polls will tell you that. And even though it's still popular, they gotta go with DeSantis, surely. They probably will. Yeah. I think that I think he he, he it's him or Ted Cruz, right? But DeSantis is mine. Thing, which don't answer this question right, but like when did the left wing become the right wing? <laughs> oh. You know what I mean? That's a whole well, other yeah. fucking podcast, man. Hey, yeah. um, so here's something really interesting, right, which I didn't do before the start. Um, so I, I did a bit of digging with the bookies, right, because I wanted to see what you would say without, you know, the even though you wouldn't change, it wouldn't change your mind, I was like, I just don't want to influence you with, you know, I want to hear what you actually think. So I've been looking up American and also, now one thing we'll say about the bookies, right, they're not always right, but fucking most of the time they are, right? That's because yeah. it's an industry. And I looked up, so Sports Bet in Australia, TAB, all the main ones and, the, and all the side ones and all the American ones. So guess who's the favourite man for the US president election 2024? $3. Uh, Joe Biden. Santos? No, Joe. Oh, to win. To win. So you're yeah, right yeah, on yeah. the money. And then interestingly enough, so Trump is around 4 bucks. And DeSantis is around, depending on which ones you look at, about four bucks to four bucks thirty. So you and I okay. know that's basically fuck all. And then yeah. the interesting thing is, the next one's down. Kamala Harris twenty three dollars, Nikki Haley thirty one, and then the rest of them are just like 
you know, they're nowhere. Like thirty dollar horses aren't coming in. So I felt I thought that was very interesting because the bookies, man, like I said, they don't they're not always right, but fucking most of the time they are. And I thought that was really interesting that they got Joe and their thing is I've been following it for a while and he's just dropping. He's just dropping in price all the time. He's gonna he's gonna shorten off to like a dollar fifty or something, I reckon. Yeah, well, like I said to you, I I don't know who the Republicans are gonna put up, but it's going to be Biden's going to win. They cooked their chook uh, for sure. Hey, here's an well, interesting question. Can I just go back to it just quickly? What, how I think the ballot's going to look, though? Yeah. I think DeSantos is going to be the Republican candidate. Yeah. Biden's going to be, if he decides to run, will be the Democratic candidate. Trump's going to put himself on the ballot. Do you reckon he'll run as vice for DeSantis? But would he do that? No, he'll, he'll run. He'll run as an independent. You don't yeah. have to. Of course, you don't yeah, have. Yeah, I forgot about that. You don't have to be a member of a uh, political party to run for president. Yeah, Anyone true. can put their name on the ballot. If you're an American citizen and you're yeah, over, I think I it's forty years of age, you could just say, "I want to be on the ballot." Mm. I don't know what the costing it is, but you can basically be on the ballot. Also, Americans, I didn't notice one until in the last half a decade. You can actually write someone to be on the ballot. You can actually write a name. If I, when they're balloting oh, for president, yeah. I could write Ira Felberg. If you yeah. met the criteria, whether you're on the ballot or not, I could actually write your name down. That's true, yeah. Right? So so I think what will happen is, and I, I think this is why the Democrats are guaranteed to win. If they make Trump their candidate, he can't win it. Yeah. He's going to get his ass felt. He's going to lose it. If they make DeSantos or uh, a Cruz their candidate, He'll run as an independent, and he's going to split the Republican vote. Uh, uh, yeah. And this is what the, I mean the... by stealing votes, yeah. yeah. So that's what I think will happen. So I don't yeah. think they can win. And like I said to you at the beginning, it doesn't matter who the Democrats run, they're yeah. going to win, yeah. right? Even if it was Bernie, oh, yeah. that might be a hard sell, but let's let's say. Yeah. But because he'll take, he'll take the MAGA nut jobs yeah. <laughs> and... In states like Wisconsin, those little tiny states you want, they won last time, they need every vote to count. Now, mm. then you've got Ron DeSanctimonious, who I think is a complete nut job. Uh, that's why he's trying to steal Trump's votes. That's yeah. why he's saying, I'll build the wall, I'll do this, I'll do that. Because he has to try, because they, I think he knows in his heart as well as the GAP that Trump's going to put himself on the ballot regardless. Yeah, good point. Right, and so he's now trying to steal their vote. So that's 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 why I think that they're running scared. I think it's going to be DeSantis, and he's trying to make himself intelligent, Trump light, mm. so that he can get the vote. Trump's going to put himself on the thing because his ego doesn't believe that he can't win it. Yeah, right. right. And like I say, if it goes the other way, and they say, "Look, we're going to have to put Trump on there because." You know, he's going to cause us all sorts of fucking grief if we don't, and hopefully by 2032 he'll be dead and he can't run anyway. <laughs> right? So, yeah, um, right? So, uh, oh, good analysis, man. So, like so, so that's the way I think it's going to bounce. Here's a question for you Best president America never had. Best president America never had. Who do you John McCain. John McCain, yeah, okay. Yeah. When I, you were saying okay. Bernie Sanders, I thought you might. Hit me with Bernie nah, Sanders. But, but yeah, that's they, a good they, John McCain. Yeah, I like that. I know. Ironically, he's on the other side of the fence. He's a Republican. Yeah. But <laughs> right, I just so, I just wondered what, yeah, what you thought about who was the best president they never had. Me. <laughs> hey, well, here's <laughs> another question for you. 
Who's the best Prime Minister we never had in Australia? Uh, Kim Beasley. Oh, man. So glad you said that because that, that's mine. I reckon. Yeah. Oh, and the man, second best one, I'll go to the other side of the I'll get the second side of the fence, and then the other side it was John Houston. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's not a bad one. So yeah. that that's that would be my two. If um, I'd have preferred him to, uh, I reckon Howard, Kim Beasley for sure. He gets oh, my Kim Beasley found out, man. Yeah, without the, the, doubt, suck. We got fucking robbed there, I reckon. But that's yeah. another story. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. One, yeah. two. Yeah, go. Go. The night yeah. Kevin Rudd won. That should have been Kim Beasley's. Yeah, book. I agree. You know what anyway. I reckon, but not enough ego. He didn't. He wasn't like prepared to do the dirty shit that maybe some of the rest of them would do. But that's another podcast. Yeah. Um, so two. I got one more question on the US, and then we'll wrap up yeah, on yeah, the, on the right uh, arcade games. Often when we're talking, one of the things that you say to me when we're talking about US politics is, you say that the US is the most undemocratic country in the world. And what I want you to do is to explain to the listeners, yeah, what what you mean by that. Okay, well, America, the Westminster system of government, we have our democracies, we have uh, uh, basically representation is based on numbers. So you have an area like, uh, uh, I'll make up zone A. Zone, we'll, we'll, we'll say there's 200 seats in the parliament, or 100, because it makes it easy. And if each group of 10,000 gets uh, one person. Right, so basically, if you have 100,000 people, you'll have 10 representatives. If you have, you know, 5,000 people and the suburb next has 5,000, you get one representative. So you have, yeah, sort of representation. Now in the US, not only do they not have uh, one person, one vote, you have a system of their Senate um, only has 100 people in it. And the Senate has come from the states, right? So basically a state like Wyoming that only has 400,000 people gets two senators. A state like California who has 27,000 people gets two senators, right? So what you have, and, and it, when I say they're undemocratic, it's right across the board, but I'm starting at the Senate. So basically you can have the current makeup of the Senate is the De- Democrats have 52 uh, senators, the uh, oh, 51, sorry, 51 senators, the, the uh, Republicans have 49. But the Democratic senators actually represent about 70% of the country. Right, right. So basically, if you have these really great ideas, it means that they can get vetoed by these small state senators. So basically, the 27,000 people in California the 400,000 people in Wyoming have the exact same political clout. That's not de- democratic. Yeah. Right? So That's right, a good so... way of explaining it because I understand okay. it now because you explained it to me, but before I never used to really kind of understand their system and the even the primaries, man, the way they get you on the primaries. So a lot of people don't realise you've got to nominate a party. Now, that's actually true, but it's a lie because yeah, I looked up... You, can not, you have to nominate, but you can vote. You can go in the booth and vote something different. Well, there's actually... I didn't realise this. There's, there's only 17 states. Did you know that allow that? Uh, yeah. Something you was, can't change from yeah. your primary. Yeah. Um, but there's actually, 17 that allow it. Actually, uh, we'll go back to Trump try and run for president. Um, six states in America have the sore loser law. 
<laughs> right. So if you yeah. run, if you run yeah. in a primary for a party like the Republicans or the Democrats, and you don't get the nomination, yeah. you can't actually go on their ballot. I know that's right? fucked, so, isn't it? So they they say, well, look, you tried to do it, yeah. but because you didn't get it, we're not going to let you. Well, that's actually undemocratic because yeah. uh, it might be, you know, you might be like it might be the Nazi Party said you can't be their leader, but you think, you know, well, I want to really represent people, so I'm going to run as well. So that, again, that's another another one of their anti-democratic things. If you don't stay with the established party you're with, you can't run in an election. Well, you know, that's that's not right either. Yeah. Also, you got to remember in the US. There are only, I always get this wrong, man. There's five, Claire will probably remember. There's only actually about 540 votes in an American election. Yeah. What people vote and what the Electoral College vote are two different things. I was going to ask US, you about the college vote, yeah. So basically, like, the different states, like Florida, California, Pennsylvania, the big five, they have each state gets a certain amount of vote, and that is based on population. So you have uh, California, twenty-seven uh, million people. They have, I think it's fifty-two electoral votes. I can't really remember the numbers, but yeah, it, whatever it is. And then Wyoming has like two, and Ohio has four, and so the bigger your state, the more electoral college votes, and that's why they say unless you win, like you know, Florida. Pennsylvania, yeah. uh, sorry, yeah, Pennsylvania and uh, and California, you can't be president. You need at least three of the big five, yeah. then all the other little states around it. Right now, why that becomes un- undemocratic is in the individual states, they have vote suppression laws. They, each state gets to nominate how yes. their votes are spent. Right now, some states it's it's a winner take all. Other states it's proportional. If you get sixty percent of the thing and forty percent of the, <laughs> they get forty. But it splits. I think one of the states don't actually vote until last, and everyone else has, and they they give everyone. I think it's one of the states. I think it's a higher, but don't quote me on this. And this might be this might not be true, but they get four votes, and they give two to each party, regardless of what their state vote is. Yeah, it's one of the little states. I don't know if that's strictly true or not. Uh, I saw that somewhere. I haven't really researched it. But basically, so you have at the moment where the states, Georgia and places like that, where uh, where the Democrats done particularly well, because the actual states run by Republicans, yes. they're now trying to change the rules. Like they cut down how many uh, voting booths there are. They've cut down where you can vote, when you can vote, get rid of mail-in votes. Yeah. So. One of the biggest things about the American political system is the Republicans have never had a, a popular president. I think Bush, one of the Bushes, done it once. But basically, the Republicans, if they win, they win with a minority of the people. They never get the popular vote. I know it's crazy. It seems so crazy to me. And that's the funny thing. Like I always hear people talking about America, and like I'm going to throw Joe under the bus. My mate Rogan, he's always banging on about, you know how. You know, it's the land of freedom. And I'm like, dude, like, you don't even understand your own system. The other thing is, you know, he'll then spend like a whole podcast talking about how fucked the country is. And I'm like, dude, are you even listening to what you're saying? And it just, and look, there's a lot of cool things about America. And they've definitely got things that, you know, we need to have, you know, the constitution and stuff like that. That's for another podcast. And I do like the fact that 
it is called the you know it's called the united states for a reason to me it's not actually a country it is actually a bunch of united states and now depending on your political persuasion i like the fact that you know if you're of a certain political persuasion there's a state where you can go and live and that that favors that kind of persuasion and you know you can move to like you know you can live in california or you can live in texas you know what i mean but it just blows my mind that yeah it's such a weird system but in, but it's kind of fascinating as well don't you think but, but the, the thing about well no i don't think it's fascinating i think it's uh i think it's uh i don't think americans are free no. i don't think they know that they're not i no. mean we all have freedom of travel we've got lots of things even the russians have got freedom of travel now but they, they think that their their system of government yeah. <laughs> and they don't have compulsory voting there. But they don't have compulsory voting because it's mostly working class that don't vote. Yeah. Right? So if they had compulsory voting and everyone had to vote, the Republicans would probably never get in, right? If they didn't change the laws. Yeah. And they literally have areas in the US where they join heavily democratic areas with heavily populated Republican areas that are literally 40 and 50 miles apart. Yeah. And the voting borders are freeways. <laughs> so they'll take like, uh, yeah. we we'll use Perth because it's where we live and are all understand this. They will take Greenwood <clears throat> and Warwick, which is on the northern three-way, yeah. make the entire freeway all the way down to South Perth yeah. and say South Perth and Como, use are all one voting area. <laughs> right? It, it seems crazy. And they do this, and since the last election that the was stolen from the Republicans by no one, yeah. um, they are actually in across the red states. They're actually, and Pennsylvania is actually the worst one. They're actually drafting about four hundred uh, new legislations on how they handle elections, right up to Pennsylvania. You want to talk about being undemocratic? The they're they're giving their they want to give their. Um, their, their their local parliament, their uh, state house, yeah. discretionary power to overturn the election result. They're not even fucking mincing words. They're just saying that they have the election, the state legislature looks at the election, yeah. then they tell the electoral college how their vote's going. <laughs> right, know. that's it. And it's, uh, it's based on nothing other than their opinion. Now, what people don't realize about January sixth is that's how fragile their their uh, their uh, undemocratic country is. Yeah, good point. If if Joe, sorry, if uh, Mike Pence, who isn't a hero because he didn't do this, he he literally waited to the last minute to see how the which way the blood was flowing, and I literally mean that to decide whether he was going to do what they wanted him to do. Now. I've seen the roadmap they had to stealing the election. Them stealing the election, by the way. It's funny how they always accuse other people of doing what they tried to do. Yeah. Um, if Mike Pence would have disallowed any of the state votes, and you got to remember, it was guys like uh, that Lindsey Graham, that nut job, uh, yeah. contesting Pennsylvania's votes. He's got fuck all to do with them. He yeah. contested them. And Ted Cruz contested other states. Now, if Mike Pence would have actually said, okay, there are irregularities, and he had the power to do it, we're going to put those votes aside. Now, to win the electoral, to win, become president, you need 247 votes in the Electoral College. 
if you don't get that, which uh, to the best of my knowledge has never happened, if you don't get the 247 votes, you can't be president. Right now, if they don't get a resolution from who's president, it then goes to the Senate, and each senator gets to cast a vote for who they want as president. Okay. So then it, that goes back. That goes back to that thing yeah. about the gerrymander. Now at that stage, the Republicans controlled fifty-one. Actually, it was. Did they control fifty-one? Or were they using about their fifty something? I think low fifties, isn't it? No, I thought they had fifty. And the vice president had the casting. No, they had fifty-one. They did have fifty-one. Yeah. Right. So what would have happened is if they if if Pence would have disallowed any of them which is what they were urging him to do. That's why they were hang Mike Pence and fucking yeah. uh, Donald said he was a soft cock. Is if he would have done that, it would have been, A, shaky ground. But it would have then have went to the upper house where they would have got 51 senators casting their vote for Trump to say president. Mm. Right? And... It would then, if they would have took it to the Supreme Court, you had six conservative Supreme Court justices. Right, so that coup could have happened. Yeah. Right, it was so close to actually, actually happening. Uh, so it would have ended up being a, a definitely a constitutional crisis. Right, Dodge so bullet, yeah. they did dodge a bullet, but the problem with it is, is now they're doing the same thing again. So 2024... <laughs> Uh, Trump's going. To, Trump's going to claim victory. Now, I don't think the Republicans are going to help him this time. Uh, like I say, I'm not 100 sure he won't end up in jail. Although you know my philosophy, I don't think he will. Yeah. Uh, certainly, Merrick Garland. He's been sitting on it for five months now. If he's going to prosecute, what the fuck's he waiting for? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they they. they they're not a democratic country. Their their whole legal sorry, their whole electoral system is gerrymandered. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say on it is is one of the things you got people don't realise that, that Florida sorry, Florida, Alaska and Hawaii didn't become states in America until I think it was like nineteen forty eight. There was forty eight states in the US. They started off as thirteen, I think. Um, right. The idea of their republic was it was always supposed to grow. Now, because of the numbers of people in California Texas, uh, I think Florida as well. But by now, those two those two states should have been cut into smaller states, yeah. right? And uh, Puerto Rico and Guam should have been made states of America ages ago. Puerto Rico, American currency, is part of America. It's just not a state. Every now and then it comes up, you know, statehood for Puerto Rico. But again, the reason that their republic is failing is the same guys don't, like the fucking electoral system at the moment. You cut California into three states, which is what probably what it should be. Uh, then all of a sudden you create two, four new senators. Yeah. The two that exist there now, plus four more. Texas breaks into two, so you get two more Texan senators. So yeah. only two more than there are now. They yeah. make Puerto Rico, poor country, becomes would probably become democratic, same as Guam, becomes a, a state because American currency, American rules, laws, and regulations, they get two senators as well. So all of a sudden you have eight more senators on the on the in the Senate, but six of them are probably going to be left-leaning. 
Yeah. And as I say, the congressmen from those sites will probably end up being Democrats. So again, they're not even re they're not building the republic the way that the founding fathers wanted no, them to. Exactly. That's because the people who would least benefit from that, the Republicans, the grand old party, they don't want it to get bigger. They can barely hold control of it now. As it is. Right? Yeah. So and they kind of haven't really moved with the times. They haven't moved with the times. And if you want to go into their their uh, the, the filibuster that they have, you need a 60%. Most things in the Senate need 60% resolution. Most yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right? The most important stuff, like uh, judicial appointments and all of that. Right? Now, they have the filibuster. The minute that they can actually tell people to stop talking, but because of the way their, their system is, you can hold the floor indefinitely as long as you don't sit down, don't support yourself, you can keep talking, right? Yeah. So you could stand up there and read fucking Lord of the Rings to the fucking Senate for as long as you wanted, <laughs> right? Also, there's no time limit from getting to where you are to down there, so you can meander down there, read books, do this, pick your nose. Yeah, it's and such a weird system. They are. They they they're not democratic. Uh, they're not. They're not. Yeah. And, and as far as freedom goes, freedom's an illusion. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And look, man, I think you, I think you summed it okay, up. Okay, video games. Video. Yeah, the most important thing. Now, actually, one thing I wanted to say about this, and we're only going to kind of touch on it because we're running out of time. But um, and we're not even going to get to medieval stuff, or that. I'll save that for the next one. But um, a lot of people probably don't realize that you had a whole career like running the medieval society in wa but yeah back to the computer games so i actually had a lot of fun when i when i spoke to you about about this and said think about this for the next podcast so i started i went on youtube and started typing in you know best arcade games of all time and man it was such an enjoyable trip down memory lane because in a lot of ways man we're the last of the mohicans right we saw pong right and now we've got fucking like you know virtual reality yeah it's crazy and like you know i racing man i'm racing like max verstappen like you can race anybody around the world and there's all sorts of multiplayer you know games so i just thought it'd be a fun thing to like um finish up with and i'd be very interested to know your your list so yeah hit me with your so let's go well, i want to do pc games and arcade but hit me with your yeah can we can we just stop saying like, yeah, it actually okay. has to be three categories oh what's that what's the other one okay arcade game perfect PC yeah. gaming. Yeah. Retro uh, computer gaming as well. Oh, okay. Like, oh, before. Yeah, well, I kind of was thinking, include when I did my list, I kind of included any previous consoles with, like, Atari and... Atari, Commodore 64. 64 include that. that. And the other thing is, give me a five, but also give me some honourable mentions, because I'm sure if you did a list like me, I found five was actually pretty hard. Okay, we'll do arcade games. Well, here's okay. here's the thing. Me and Claire talked about it afterwards. Now, okay, so it, for arcade games for me, the first and most highest rated one for me was I'm Asteroids. Not... Oh, I missed it. I was, I thought you were cool, going to say Gallagher. No, no, she's in the top five. Yeah. So, okay, so, so Asteroids number one. Asteroids is number one because it was the first one that um, I mean. You remember the old thing about computer games? They're like life. Yes. They get faster and harder, and then you die. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> that's what was like, that's what I loved about it. So Asteroids was the 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 first one that where you really had because it was a floating the actual uh, your ship that you flow. 
moved around the whole screen. I was just going to say, that was the thing about that game. You could It was the first game where you could like move it anywhere. You could go anywhere. You could go off the screen and come on at the bottom of the screen. Yeah. Right? So it was, to me, uh, and even though the graphics were simple, it was all just basically line graphics, black and white. Yeah. I loved it because you really, it was the first first game where I worked up a sweat. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because you're moving and you're ducking and win. Because I, I was the upright. It wasn't the... Um, yeah, it wasn't the uh, cocktail table. So, so Asteroids is was probably one of my most iconic games for sort of my personal development, and I love interesting. It. Right, right, so that would be number one. Second, okay, and the next four in no order, right? Okay, yeah. Because Pac-Man. Oh right? yeah, oh. yeah. I sucked didn't think Pac-Man. of it. So did I. My mum was great at it. So, so I love Pac. Pac-Man, Galaga. I still play Galaga yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, a unique game that a lot of people don't know called Mooncrester. Mooncrester. I'm gonna type that yeah. down. I have to look that up. Yeah, that was that was one. That was a really that hard one. A bit like on. Moonraker, or a bit different. Ah, uh, it was one of the ones. That, it was one of the first ones where the actual things that were attacking you were so erratic. It wasn't. Uh, you, you couldn't figure out the pattern. Yep. And it was where you docked little chips together. You started off with a one ship, and then once you got through a pattern, you docked it to a second ship, so you had three oh, guns. And yeah, I think I might And then, so it made this little pyramid one. So that was Mooncrestor, so I like that. So they're the ones I... And then the next one after that was 1942. Oh, yeah. Right, which I still play. Yeah. Um, because uh, you know I've got my cocktail cabinet there, so I still yeah. play a lot of these games. So they were the ones that I liked. Now, honourable mentions, um, Defender. Oh yeah, that was. A you great remember game. Defender? Yeah, that was a great game. So Defender got a really honourable mention. Uh, when I said my top five, I, I I pretty much stuck to the ones that I played a lot. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Defender was was a great game, um, and I'm 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 doing early stuff. I, I yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to do like Street Fighter and all of those other ones. Yeah. There, I'll, I never, I'll, I never got into Street Fighter for some reason. No, uh, I'm going to do a couple of quick honourable mentions. Yeah. So they're, 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 I'll call them. They're from the golden era. Yeah. They were the golden era. So you got your your, your uh, asteroids, Pac-Man, Mooncrestor, Galaga, 1942, which was probably just a little bit after that that yeah. golden era stuff. But then you had Defender and all of those. Okay, then the next ones that I loved in arcade games is when they started bringing out things like um, Tron. I love Tron. Oh yes, I remember, remember that, Tron, yeah. a little disc one, and you stood inside it. That was that was a great great yeah, game. That was a great game. It was, and so I had ones like that, and Street Racer, and all of those ones. So once you actually sat in, they became the next sort of generation. Yeah, that I liked. Then they had ones that, like, I don't know if you remember a four player game called Gauntlet. <laughs> yeah, I'll got to I'll yeah. give you my list in a minute, but yeah, it's on my list. Yep. Oh, and I got to jump aside, so. Another honourable mention, but it was a bit later on, is a game called Joust. Joust, you I ride, remember that. Yep. You ride an ostrich and you had to joust yep. with dragons and other ostriches. Yep. And it was running and flapping a lot. And that was a two-play game. So so when it went from that to the sort of the next gen, so it was like uh, uh, Gauntlet, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, oh, I liked. Yeah, um, I liked uh, uh, Joust, those sort of ones there yeah, as well. Yeah. So that, that was that. Yeah. Okay, okay. your your okay game? All right, so my list. So number one, 1942. 
can't beat it. Great game. Favorite. And it was just partly because um, it was one of those games, like you said, you could move. So it was a bit like a later version of Asteroids. You could move around, move up, down, and just happened to be sort of when I was a kid growing up, the arcades around me had those, you know, had it there. Yeah. And I still, man, uh, man, I had the top score at the uh, Wagga Wagga <laughs> bowling alley. And the cool thing about those games too, right, was when you turned them off, you turned it back on, it didn't reset the top score. Now, there That's was a button so inside, which you could reset them. But, yeah, you would go and, you're like, you know, you always go back and you'd see, like, and then, you know, when I moved over here, same thing, there was just... And it was just one of those games I played a lot and I was just really good at it. So that's my num my number one. So my number two is um, Ghosts and Goblins. Oh, yeah. That, that was a great game. And that was just... I, 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 just quickly, I yeah. put that in the same category as like the Ninja Turtles and all those yeah. sort of ones. That was that yeah. second generation with it. scrolling screen, yeah. I loved it partly because it was fucking hard. And like yeah. on the arcade, it was like to get to the end man it was like virtually almost impossible and then i don't think i ever got to the top of that castle i think i got a good way in but never to the end um and then yeah so when it i'll tell you a funny story about that when it came out on um console i don't know what a console it was um what would that have been atari i think i yeah maybe uh, i think c64 had it so but when it came out so you couldn't save a game so you had to turn it on and you know, we would go down to Blockbuster and we'd hire the console for the weekend. And I'll never forget staying up with my uh, my brother-in-law, Murray, all night one night. And he tapped out about 2 a.m. because um, we got to the, like, you know, the last sort of thing and you beat the final boss. And then he whisks the princess off to, like, another castle. And he was like, oh, fuck this, I'm out. And I stayed up all night, man. I was like, there's no, this is the closest I've ever been. Like, I'm going to finish it. So, yeah, I finished it, um, which I was pretty happy about and then so moving on so my num my number three was actually gauntlet which you already threw out there that was my number yeah. three and then Beautiful. um probably my number yeah. four i would say is um galaga or galaga however you say it and mainly because like even when i sit down yeah. now and play it man i can like i can taste the ice cream and i can smell the carpet from you know, back at my old, like, arcade when I was a kid, and there's just something about playing that game that just takes you back kind of thing. And then probably my number five, I was, like, it was really hard to, like, split these. Um, so but I probably my number five was probably Pole Position, and mainly because that was the first kind of car game that came along. But okay, I'm going to yeah. say honourable mentions to Dragon's Lair. Remember that? So that was your first car. Yeah, first yeah, cartoon yeah, laser yeah. disc one. Laser disc one. Um, yeah. Hyper Olympics. Yeah. Double Dragon. And yeah. and Shinobi, which was like a, was a bit of a, like a you know platform like ninja type one. So yeah, and look, there was heaps of others, and that's what I loved about the YouTube thing going. Yeah. It's like there was games that I had totally forgotten about that I realized, man, I spent a fucking serious amount of time playing those games in arcade and I'd completely forgotten about them. So, so yeah, that's my top five arcade. So let's go to, um, let's go to PC. So yeah, or console, let's say. So what are your, yeah. Uh, computer games. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll do a couple of quick yeah. Retro ones, and I'll get to modern PC. Okay, so when when you're talking about Commodore 64s, Ataris, all those sort Elite. of ones, there was a game called Elite, oh, yeah. which was a space sim. Um, 
wire graphics. It was oh, the first yes, open universe sort of sandbox thing. You could fly everywhere. It was massive. It had an economy. It was like it was just yeah, yeah. if you look it up, it was all line figures. We used to load it up on a cassette drive because we didn't have a uh, disk drive in them days. But so so that was one. There was another game called Ball Blazer, which was like a was like a soccer game. Yeah, uh, okay, don't remember that one. Split screen. Oh yeah, I forgot uh, about Spy that. versus that Spy. Yep, yeah, Spy versus Spy, which again was a split screen. And we'd actually worked out, so you, one guy watches the top of the screen, the other guy watches the bottom of the screen. But what we worked out oh. is we actually made a splitter cable. Oh, clever. So it went to two TVs. And on on one t- on the TV with the, with the black Spy, we had that, um, you could see it. And the white Spy, we actually had uh, alfoil over it, so you couldn't see it. And the yeah. other guy was on the other screen with the opposite, so we could we couldn't see what each other because, like, if you're playing the game, you used to be able to look down and see where the other spy was. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so Spy versus Spy was right up there. So a lot of the early games, I, I really liked them. They were on the, the PCs. Now, when we get to PC, PC, I'm going to skip all the early generation stuff. Uh, Although there was a lot that we used to play in them days, but we'll jump to sort of what we'll call modern PC. Uh, my top five, uh, I'm going to do by franchise. Right, my favourite computer games are Fallout. Fallout, yep. Yep, the Fallout franchise. Fallout 3 is iconic. Yeah, I agree. Right, the, uh, the, the, the first time, it was a, the first open sandbox one RPG that I'd ever played and I always remember when I'd roll my character and I'd done all my shit and I walked up to the, the vault to walk out for the first time. <laughs> and never forget that. You don't. And it was just burned in my memory. And I played through that game so many times. So Fallout 3 would probably be one of my iconic games, followed by Fallout New Vegas, then Fallout 4, then Fallout Online, I guess, is in there somewhere. Uh, next franchise, Battlefield. Love Battlefield Two. Battlefield. Yep. So Battlefield, I I, I enjoyed that as, as computer games went. Um, then I'm going to jump to online games after that. So uh, I used to play EverQuest. Oh yeah. Right, which was probably the first sort of major MMO yeah. that anyone ever played. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember when when it hit a million subscribers. Yeah. Right now, that pales by comparison to like Warcraft today. Yeah. Which I do, which I do play. Um, but yeah, for me, EverQuest had to be one of the up there games because it was the first game where you actually were playing for people from all over the world. Yeah. And it was hard, and yeah, it was. It again, it was like Fallout Three, where that's got that iconic open sandbox sort of world. Yeah. But you were playing for other people. Yeah. Right, so there was that. Then I moved on to, um, uh, I do play Warcraft, yeah. um, but I don't know why. Okay. Because I don't even know if I like it. <laughs> right, but... Uh, uh, you honestly, played a lot of it. I played tons of it. Uh, nothing like EverQuest, but I still play tons of that. So for me, uh, I guess, uh, PC games, I love Fallout. I love... Uh, Battlefield, uh, Mech Warrior franchise. I like that as well. Uh, yeah. That you know, uh, I've played. 
I think the last really good game that I really enjoyed that was sort of new and outside of the box was uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, yeah. And uh, that is a good game. And when I bought my new machine, it um, it, uh, had RTS and ray tracing in it. The the visuals were way, way better. But yeah. Okay, your PC games. Okay, so, um, well, I'm going to go with... um, I'm going to go the same as you, Fallout 3 and Fallout 4. For me, yep. probably most two most enjoyable games i played. And for what you said, you just there's something about that, that first time you walk out into the wasteland and realise you can go anywhere. Um, it only load screens when you go inside buildings. but And just the sheer size of it, the characters, the stories, like it was The just, music. The, oh, man. Hey, hey, here's a funny thing for you. So when Kai goes to sleep at night, man, he plays the fallout 3 sometimes or the fallout 4 soundtrack and i hear it going for people that don't know right it's mostly like 20s jazz yeah <laughs> it's mostly like jazz music and the, and it's just this yeah it's just iconic um the other probably the next most on, honorable oh not honorable mention but yeah sorry number three is probably for me toss up between iRacing racing and hunter call of the wild because okay, yeah. they're the two main things i spend most of the time on now and same kind of thing like if you're into motorsport like me, iRacing is just fucking, it just blows my mind. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you're into, dirt, speedway, NASCAR, road. And, you know, like I've got a, I got a league on there, as you know, and I've got about 400 people in my Discord and, you know, raced against all sorts of people and met, you know, Tony Stewart, real NASCAR driver. And it's just, it's just crazy. And then also Hunter Call of the Wild because, you know, I like my hunting, but I don't get out so yeah. much. And, being a gamer, it crossed over. And the thing I love about that is, you know, you're on reserves that are like 120 square kilometres and no load screens. That still blows my mind to this day. The fact that, you know, you can just walk around and no. the thing I like about that game too is like no two sessions are ever the same. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. It's never the same. And you can go, there's maps, you know, where you can go all around the world. Probably my, I was hard to get number five, but I'd probably, I'd probably say Medal of Honor. And I mean, like okay, the yeah. original ones that the were on PlayStation, ones, yeah. not the new ones. And if you go and look at the ratings as well, basically, as they went along the franchise, they just got worse and worse kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then honorable mentions. Um, so these were all kind of on earlier console. So the first one I would say is was actually on <laughs> Mac. And I first played this in the late 80s when we, because I was around year nine or 10 high school when the high school got computers. And they were the first computers in the school, and they were Macs, and they had a game on there called Dark Castle. And it was just kind of like, you know, running around inside this castle, and you got spiders chasing you. And it's a bit like Mario, sort of like, you know, you're jumping from stuff. and But, yeah, just the memories, and it was, it was super enjoyable. Um, the other one I really enjoyed back then was Boulder Dash. I love Boulder Dash. Yeah. That's such a good game. It's actually still online. You can still go play it like free. Yeah. There's like copies of it. I can play on my old PCs. Yeah, yeah. And it's, man, something about that game, I just just really enjoyed it, loved it, spent a lot of time on it. And then my other three kind of honorable mentions will go to Wolfenstein. <laughs> yep. Because out. the first, first person shooter. Um, yep. And then followed by Doom and Duke Nukem, which were basically okay. just kind of follow-ons from that. I was going to actually ask if I could do that as a because after we play uh, to discuss that, me and Claire had a long discussion about her favourite ones as well. Oh yeah, and uh, there was a uh, an old uh, 
uh, early retro computer game called Commander Keen. Oh, she yeah, loved that. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, all of his little adventures. Yeah, um, yeah. But then she went into the ones like uh, Quake. Oh, yeah. And oh, Doom. Well, Quake was a type of Doom. Actually, yeah, the other one I should mention, when I was in high school, so the Sierra, like Space Quest, King's Quest, yep. and Leisure Shoot Larry. All, all of them. All of them. When they came out, like, and I loved the puzzle solving and, like, you know, we'd have, like, five or six guys working on it, you know, and you'd be working on certain puzzle, like, or getting through somewhere for weeks, you know, and then back in those days too, right, you know, phone. So you get the phone call and your mate would be like, oh, man, I figured out how to, you know, get past yeah. this or whatever. And just, you know, they were hard games, but they were it was so Yeah, simple. that was all the, t- all, all the text adventure games. They were they were really cool. We we played one and it took us, like, weeks to realise that the big Yeti on the, that was chained to the boulder wasn't a baddie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is, well, man, they did take up a lot of our um, uh, free time in them days. Well, you could get yeah. really, you could, you know, you start playing at, um, and I'm talking about on a Saturday, we'd, we'd start playing at about, you know, 30, 11 o'clock, we'd bang something on the console, we'd be around my mate's house and we'd have some refreshments, if you know what I mean, and yeah. and, and then all of a sudden it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I know, I like, and I, I, I was going to say, I remember, didn't someone say to you at some point, or, you know, if you had spent all the time that you'd spent on computer games on the stock market, you'd be a rich man? Yeah, it was. A guy said that to me. He says, the amount, the amount of research you put into games, he said, if you'd have done the stock market or learn how to do Fortran, uh, Forex trading or whatever it was, he said, you'd be a rich man by now. What did you that say? A, I said, yeah, yeah, I probably would be, but it wouldn't have been as much fun. Although oh, he's probably... He's, is probably right, but just what you were saying to me when you're going through your games is we for, uh, until you said some of them, I forgot. I forgot the whole quest, you know, the um, yeah, Quake and Doom and Team Fortress, and they were the ones Claire played. We used to uh, we used to play network games before networks were a thing, yeah, and uh, we used to go into the Westpac building in town and they hired out a meeting room that had all these computers and stuff in there. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we uh we used to get uh, my mate Nathan used to work at a Scotch College, so he 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 was one of the help organisers. But basically, we'd go in and hire out this thing after hours. Yeah, and um, we had a uh, Team Fortress loaded up on it. <laughs> right, so there used to be about eight or ten of us go in there on a on a Friday yeah. night. We'd hire the thing out to about yeah, you know, we'd hire it for four hours from about eight till twelve. But the guy that they, because they had to have one of their sort of tech guys sitting in there, uh, we paid for an hourly rate on it. We actually got him playing with us. Right. Oh, so yeah. even though we'd only sort of like booked it from eight till 12, yeah, yeah. we would end up still being there at two or three o'clock in the morning because he was <laughs> he in there was playing. playing with us. And uh, like in, in the early games, you could actually download skins so you could look different. Right. Oh, this yeah. is way back in the day. And so we all used to make ourselves look like the Cookie Monster, so that when we're playing uh, Team Fortress, which was yeah, you know, head to teams, head to head, we wouldn't shoot anyone that looked like a Cookie Monster because we knew it was us. That's, yeah, right. And then of course the other one was was um, it was just like um, everybody versus everybody, oh, right? Yeah. So we would uh, we were there, and then that's where Claire excelled. Her Claire's name, my wife, her name used to be uh, Madam Death. 
<laughs> because she was absolutely fucking kick-ass at it. So, like, yeah, you'd be yeah. running along, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, and then she'd just go running by, three of us dead. But, yeah, so... And that's that, that... when I, was, I say to that guy that said to you about the stock market thing, that's just people... Like, you're either a gamer or you're not, right? That's and, it. yeah, we spend a lot of time on it, but I could not... I couldn't even put into words how much fun and the satisfaction that I get from playing games it's just something that just doesn't go away and actually had a mate mind say to me recently you know something about like oh a bit of a waste of time you know and I was like explaining to him like no it's not not a waste of time and like the community like I said you know you've seen what I've built through Aussie Gar and you know, yeah. in the stuff that you've built you know as well with your guys and it's just you know like I've got people I know all over Australia and all over the world and it's just yeah, it's such a such a bigger thing than what a lot of people realise. I, I think I think the biggest thing at the moment, though, the, and we'll talk about your iCars and some of the games like Warcraft and EverQuest and stuff like that. Play. I think the difference these days is what uh, people don't realise is they say, "Oh, you got to go out, you got to socialise." Well, uh, one thing the pandemic taught us is you don't actually yeah. have to do that to meet friends. But one of the things for us is we've we've met people, we've contacted people. Now, you know, when I talk about some of the things I know about the US, it's uh, when I was playing a game called Defiance, which unfortunately they closed the service on that. Our, our, our guild had 3,600 members. Yeah. Right? So um, that is a community. That is a community, and we ended up having to break up the leadership into three factions. We're a bit like the Roman Empire. We had myself here in Australia was one of the the, the leaders, a guy called Chaos in the US. He lives in uh, Indiana. He was one of the other leaders, and we had a chick in uh, London called Elmo. She was the third leader. So what we basically had is at any time zone, at any time of the day, one of us was online. Yeah. Right, so, and you end up dealing with personalities and things, you know, you, you, you've been through all. Oh, yeah, there's a bit of politics. But... Always, always. But what it did do is when, even at that server, that game's now, uh, uh, they put it into abeyance, it's gone now. Um, I still talk to those people. Yeah. Right, and so when you when you hear on the news that, you know, in the US it's this bad or in London it's this bad, I'll talk about the pandemic. I got to ask people who were living it day to day. Yeah. Um, how much of this is propaganda and how much of it? And by the way, the stuff in the US, um, some of it was over exaggerated. But to tell you what, man, the stuff in the UK was under exaggerated. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's interesting. Right. Yeah. I, I talked to people like my friend, uh, like I say, he lives in Indiana, and I ask him, well, that's for another talk. I'll tell you about his lifestyle compared to ours. It's funny as shit. But. He didn't know anyone that died from COVID, and he barely met anyone that had it. Yeah, okay. Right. So now you're talking about America. You know, the game, millions and billions of people are dying, but he never met anyone that died. He doesn't know anyone that died from it. And it, uh, well, we found out later one of our friends did, but at the time this conversation, he didn't. Um, but when I was talking to Elmo in the UK. She was saying that it's under-exaggerated. She knows closes like little courts of like, you know, a dozen families with like, you know, maybe 40 members. But they all died. But, you know, so it's... Uh, yeah. But what I was going to go back, that wasn't meant to be as grim as it sounded, but which is grim, of course. But what I like about the communities you build online is they cross the political divide. 
Yeah, good point. Right, you can talk to people in there. I've got friends in Singapore who think we in the West have too much freedom um, uh, and we don't have enough rules, which is a yeah. funny aspect, right? Because, yeah. you know, you can't have chewing gum up there. You have to stay left on the escalators. They think the rest of us are arcane because <laughs> we have too much freedom. Yeah, um, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, you get all these different perspectives. I never really kind of thought about it like that. But, yeah, it's like my mate that lives in Sweden, Tree Kiwi, and... You know, first thing I wanted to do was ask him about a bunch of stuff. And, you know, I was like, oh, about the tax, you know. And he basically explained to me, that's bullshit. They don't pay half tax at all. They pay about the same as us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so little things like that that you find out that are actually really true and not. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and even that, that's the, that's the uh, like, one of the, uh, well, I'll use the gun thing uh, there. Uh, the, the Americans think we have no guns here. Oh, man. Uh, I would love to spend five minutes with Joe Rogan because, like, yeah, he's always banging on about that. Oh, Australians gave up their guns, gave up their guns. Man, well, I'll just show him that map that was on the cover of the West Australian and say, well, did we? Really? Okay, we gave up a few, but, yeah. <laughs> if you actually get into it, we no, we gave up a lot of guns. Yeah, right? we did, but we didn't right. no, We well, didn't give them up more, is what I mean. No, but we gave up a fair few of them. But what we did do is, A, we got a lot of dangerous firearms off of the streets, um, and we set ourselves up in a position where, yes, you can have firearms, yeah. right? but you have to show a genuine need for them. Just Proper want, registration. Just wanting to have a gun, Ari, you shouldn't have one just because you you want one. Yeah, I agree. Right? You know, there's a... I mean, That's this the problem with America. Yeah, and you don't have... Even their own constitution doesn't give them a right to bear arms. They say it does. It really doesn't. The Second Amendment says you have the right to bear arms in a well-orchestrated militia, right? It was so that, you know, if King George came and tried to kick their asses again, that they'd yeah, have yeah. guys in each little village that had, like, 15 guys that practiced every Thursday with yeah. their rifles, right? Well, when they wrote that, they fired one shot every, you know, minute and a half, right? Two minutes, whatever. It, they never envisaged the weapons we had. But it was never for home defence. It was so that if they got invaded, they'd have a standing army. Yeah. Right? Now, when they say oh, the Second Amendment right says we have a right to bear arms, yeah, keep reading. No, we don't want to read that because... <laughs> and by the way, my way to sort those guys out is say, right, you're a well-organised... Anyone that holds a firearms, you're supposed to be in a well-organised militia. So we're going to call you up. Right, because yeah. that's part of your deal. You said that you're going to have these guns to help defend the country. Well, we're calling you all up. You're going to go and do national service. Wonder how many people would divest themselves of their God-given right to have mm -hmm. firearms after exactly. that. Right, but the last thing I'll say on firearm ownership: firearms are a tool. Right, if you work on a farm, they're for vermin control. If you're in the military, they're to do obviously what they're in the military. If they're in your policemen, they're for self-defense, right? For myself, I'm a sports shooter. Yeah. Right, so it's to shoot little targets, little metal targets, shaped like animals. Yeah. Right. It's not a penis extension. <laughs> yeah. It's not, I've got a I gun, so mean. I'm brave. Yeah. The, 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 the tool doesn't make the person. Owning a firearm doesn't make you a warrior. Right, which is why that Americanism thing, you know, the only way to stop a, a bad man for gun is a good man for gun. So let's give yeah. our school teachers firearms. Yeah. That very same logic is okay, well if we give our school teachers scarpels, 
they're surgeons, so we don't have to get to the doctor anymore. <laughs> exactly. Okay, That's so, a great way of putting it. Yeah. So you're not you're not going to say you know you're going to go to the school teacher and say, look, I've got to have my appendix taken out. You've got that little scalpel and some anaesthetic there. Have at it. Right. So yeah. you can't just give someone a tool and say you are now this. Yeah. If it was that easy, we wouldn't have armies. We just yeah. say in times of war, right? Here's your rifle. Come and fight. Right, yeah. so and that's it. People have got to realize that firearms are a tool. They're not a God-given right. You shouldn't have them. If you have a genuine purpose and a genuine need for them, then they should be available to you. Now, the other argument goes that shoot, you know, sports shooting is a stupid sport and you shouldn't be allowed to do it. That's a different argument, right? Um, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but you know, there's better things to do than just go and shoot little metal targets. Well, I enjoy it. And there probably are better things to do. So you well, can make it you know, you can make an argument that's better. but yeah, if you want to go down that road, let's go and have a look at golf. <laughs> yeah, well I was uh, I'll say my my argument to that is right, like guns have been invented. You're not gonna uninvent them, do you know what I mean? They're around and if people want to use them, you know, for social and even in America, like people don't realise, but there's more you know, sporting shooters than reg- than anything else. Like, there's way more sporting shooters than there is hunters. Yeah. Whereas you think about America, and you think, oh, most gun owners probably hunting. No, and that's actually that's how they pay for their system. So they put yeah. a small tax on everything that gets purchased for sport, and that's what covers the rest of it. So okay, yeah, it's sporting. I will finish with a devil's advocate question. Yeah. Okay. Um, why shouldn't we be allowed to hunt? Why shouldn't we be allowed to hunt? Right. Now, basically, humans require sustenance. We require fish or animals or plants. Why shouldn't humans be allowed to, you know, citizens of this country, why shouldn't we be allowed to be subsistence hunters? Basic human nature is we have to hunt to eat. Yeah. So what now? I'm I'm against hunting, you know that. But I'm like I said, I'm playing devil's advocate myself. But why shouldn't we be allowed to hunt with the, the spiraling cost of food at the moment? Why shouldn't people yeah. be allowed to go out and supplement their food by hunting yeah, feral animals? And why shouldn't change the fishing laws for individuals, not companies? So that like me and Jamie went out the other week, we snagged about sixty good size whiting, uh, yeah. as we do. So. I've been living on that, well, not living on it, but I've been eating that for the last couple of weeks. So my, yeah, my yeah. question is this to the government is, you know, why shouldn't people be allowed to go out and hunt for their own food? Why should we be shoved into a commercial market where we have to buy things? Yeah, oh, man, you're preaching to the converted here. And, you know, even kangaroo meat in Australia, it's a way underused resource, really. Tasty, juicy you know. kangaroo. Yeah, but but my, my yeah, like I say, I'm not a hunter. I'm yeah, I'm pretty much a pacifist. Yeah, yeah. But well, it's what we've realistically... As you said, we 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 we've always we have hunted before. We do require sustenance. Why shouldn't we be allowed to go out and hunt? To well, think? it comes down to the freedom of choice, too. Yeah, and yeah, that's it. I, I would I could argue I could put up a fairly good argument that um, going out to hunt for food is a basic human right. Yeah. Right, because I have to eat. I have no money. I do have yeah. the spear. Yeah, and look, argument. heaps of people do 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 that. You know, that's how they supplement their. The, you know, their shopping bill and stuff like that, you know. Every time I go to the gun store, you buy more ammo for my targets. The guy up there keeps saying to me, you're going straight home. Half the time I'm not, I wish I was. Because he says, oh, do you want a leg of goat? 
right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, I do. He's always, they got go, he's always got go. He's always got kangaroo meat. You know, so I'm yeah. thinking to myself, you know, I, I, bought, I bought a leg of lamb the other day and it cost me fucking 36 fucking dollars. I know, uh, man. It's crazy. Oh, mental. I How much it's getting. Don't get me started. Anyway. I anyway, think man. That's, that's yeah, I was going to say, night. dude. Yeah, three hours, man. That was epic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, thanks again, man. I really, always, as you know, I always really enjoy talking to you and getting your point of view. And yeah, it was uh, another good chat, man. You gave a lot of good insight there, and I think it's going to be another popular one. So, yeah, thanks again, man. Yeah, no dramas, man. Appreciate it. Intense chemistry, expect the list when we sound the list.